0: All right. Welcome, everybody, to the May 25th, 2023 edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show, Sacred Fire of Liberty. We'll kick it off with Jonathan E. Board. Great news on the campaign trail from him on his uh, efforts to become the next United States senator from Virginia. And we've, we're have always looking forward to the updates of what's happening on the trail, uh, as well as a lot of stories in the news. And one of them I want to hit with uh, him. Uh, conservatives in the House are urging foreign affairs to take up bills to get us out of the WHO. Anybody uh, want to stay in on that one? We got that and a whole lot more. Also, Mark Anthony's back. There's the Spiritual Awakening, Awakenings International Conference coming up. Uh, he was on, I don't i don't know how many months ago, but uh, we had a great time. So we're going we're to talk about some things uh, otherworldly as well, as we ground ourselves in the reality, a uh, political reality or otherwise, but trying to break through with the message of health, freedom, and healing liberty I don't think we're trying. We're actually doing it. Thanks to all y'all for being here. Share the show. We'll look at, uh, for you in the uh, chat room, robertscabell.com slash listen. Let's get the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition kicking into gear right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell, Robert Bell Show. Scott Bell show.
1: voice of health, freedom, and liberty, the Robert Scott Bell Show.
0: All right. How do we uh, crank up the uh, fire of Liberty? Well, I think about the kids. I think about the next generation. Jonathan E. Ward has two wonderful children. I have two wonderful children. My daughter just graduated from high school yesterday. I'm still kind of beaming and glowing, watching what she had accomplished in this young life of hers and I'm extraordinarily positive about her future, but not naively so, uh, and nor is Jonathan E. about the future for his children because our attempts to restore what we call a Republican form of government and the appreciation that our, our nation, those of you here in the United States, was founded on the defense of individual liberty, and that defense includes your right to uh, You know, as we talk about in the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and among those things that are uh, codified, if you will, in a constitution, we talk about the first 10 amendments, Bill of Rights, they don't grant us a single right. Those rights pre-exist government, those rights come from God, a creator, not government, and they are written in there to protect those rights, to say, government, you shall not infringe on these things. Despite the fact that many in government have lost sight of that, uh, Jonathan E. is running for the US Senate to uh, bring those back into the fore, into activation for our next generations coming up my kids your kids his kids and I'm eternally grateful for that my friend Jonathan more joins me as the sacred fire of liberty is officially on there you go Jonathan
2: yes good to be with you
0: Robert it's good to see you I know I'm amazed you're at home for a moment you've been on the campaign trail even last week we had you on on the phone because you were at an event so uh, I'm curious as to updates of any kind and uh, how's the family doing with all of the activity in addition to all you used to do which was already busy
2: Well, they're loving it. Uh, It's really quite extraordinary. We have enormous support all across Virginia, and it's been expressing itself in so many different ways. I mean, I was, it's kind of surprising, you know, when you drive down the street and you're going from one location to another, and you drive up into a driveway, and then someone runs over and knocks on your window, and you go, oh, (laughs) and then you realize that's not a bad thing. That's actually a supporter. So the part it's, that's the kind of thing that's happening more frequently now. And I think that's indicative of the extent to which our name recognition is growing in Virginia. And we have had uh, people commit to our campaign early in the campaign, which is considered highly unusual. Um, Most of these people are telling me that Virginians especially tend to wait and evaluate all the candidates. They're very discerning, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're, they're quickly uh, supporting us, which is, extremely welcome news. So we're all happy about that. So what's happening? Well, we've got uh, a number of events coming up. We've just completed a whole bunch, but we've got a whole bunch more coming up. Tonight, I'm going to be in uh, Clark County, uh, Virginia, speaking before the Clark County Republican Committee. And then uh, on uh, uh, Saturday, we're having a Memorial Day party here at my place. And the number of people coming to that is <laughs> is astronomical this year. So then we have that, and then in addition, on July the 4th, we're going to be in the Loudoun County uh, 4th of July Parade. And uh, and then uh, we also have on June the 2nd, which is something I want everybody who can possibly attend, including those out of state, because anyone who has a ticket can vote in this. This is kind of interesting. So they're having a straw poll on June the 2nd at the Loudoun County Jamboree and they're they're voting on for president and for United States Senate from Virginia so the uh, United States Senate candidates are on the list and we're hoping for a very large turnout of pro Emord people and we suspect that that'll happen and we're hoping that everybody within the listing area for your program as well as the you know the video area of your program can appreciate the need to do this and come on over to virginia to Loudoun county come to that event we have uh we acquired 160 tickets for the event and people can sign up all the way through uh to get those tickets and what you do is you you register on our website under emordforvacom events and under there it's the Loudoun jamboree you register there and you can uh, yeah that second one
0: yeah, go on, click on that, Jupiter. Let's show everybody. Uh, again, this is June 2nd, Friday, June 2nd.
2: So, so, look, it's kind of interesting. So, we just yesterday started this, uh, and we haven't really gotten the announcement out yet. Look, we've already got 31 people signed up. We have 160 tickets. I think uh, by at that rate, we're going to really uh, sell out all, all these tickets. And by selling out, I don't mean people buying them. I mean just people registering, because we bought them. We bought yeah. them the tickets at 30 bucks a pop and we bought 160 of them so that all of our supporters could come without the need to pay. And what you do is you just register. And then once you register, you you automatically have a ticket in when you come in you just uh, can say your name and they'll check you off the list. I'm
0: looking at Percival, it's outside of Leesburg it looks like. Yeah. Okay. It's outside
2: of Leesburg and it's uh, it's beautiful countryside by the way. But uh, it's also at a beautiful building, which is called, I think it's called the Bush Tabernacle. I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of it. Um, but, um, yeah, we're going to, I think we're going to have a, a very, very strong showing. And, of course, we want to win that straw poll. We want to show that even though it's not scientific and is not yeah. indicative.
0: Well, bring, yeah. it, bring it out. If you're in the Virginia area, it looks like it's even close to West Virginia. If you're listening in yeah. West Virginia, head on over to Percival and Purcellville or Purcellville. I don't even know how to pronounce that city.
2: They, say, they call it Purcellville.
0: Purcellville. So uh, it looks like a great event. Uh, and again, you guys bought the tickets. So if you want to claim one of those t- t- tickets or more to show up and be there with them, uh, the links in the show notes, go to emord4va.com yeah, upcoming events. And then you'll see this event. They, they detail.
2: gets you, you know, food and beverage and, and uh, you, you can participate in all the events or a whole bunch of events for kids There's line dancing and all kinds of crazy things going on. So it'll it'll be good. And then they have the straw poll and then everybody votes in the straw poll using their phones, actually. You just plug into an app and then you vote.
0: Very cool. Well, the other events, I know that there are people all over the United States that are excited about your candidacy because they know that if you're in the United States Senate, it'll impact the entirety of the Senate. And that'll be good for people, especially in states where they there's not much of an opportunity to get someone like yourself, a Republican, much less a, a a true conservative in terms of the constitutional values, limited government, defense of individual liberty, which should be an ideal for all of us, whether we are a Democrat, or Republican, Libertarian, or whatever. That I think was what would bring us normally together uh, in alignment, and and not you know to to look at each other and go, oh my gosh, uh, I can't be around you, can't be with you. I mean, think that the things that I'm hearing from Bobby Kennedy as a Democrat, which is far different from modern. Democrats more or less like his uncle, uh, somewhat of a significantly more conservative, constitutionally aligned, recognizing the danger of regulatory capture. I mean, these are things that I say can bring us together. As we said, the message is not divisive, Jonathan, that you bring out as much as they'd like us to, well, you know, to be re- relegated to that divisiveness. The divisiveness is happening from those of the woke Democrat leftist society, if you can call it that, trying to hate everybody that doesn't align align perfectly with their agenda.
2: Right. It's uh, quite unifying for um, people who are true Americans to uh, recognize that liberty is the centerpiece of our constitution and that all of us need to fight for individual liberty and to avoid as much as possible, get rid of this socialist resurgence and this whole woke agenda in the schools. It's really just Marxism under masquerading under a race uh, rubric. It's all Marxism. It's the same approach that was taken all the way back to to the Bolsheviks. It's just uh, horrendous and ruinous to our kids. And the transitioning agenda for the kids is just horrible. It's just gross child abuse. And we're going to end all of that. But I wanted to say that, um, sure, it's unifying for those of us who love liberty. But of course, for those of us who want to destroy our Republican liberty, uh, they're outside of the realm of rationality and they want to take from us everything that we have. And they've been there for uh, forever, really, since the start of the Republic, there has always been those who wanted to destroy us, Mm -hmm. but now they're, they're uh, very vocal and they also have political power and they are being assisted by uh, the CCP from outside the United States and by George Soros and by the Muslim Brotherhood operating here in the United States. The CCP is, operating through surrogates here in the united states as well so we have all these influences which are uh, infiltrating every aspect of our society Uh, local government the the education system national government uh, and even uh, local school boards and this whole thing is ruinous we we can't really allow this to continue without recognizing that the open border policy the whole system of allowing anyone to come in here who wants to is totally ruinous to our uh, country because those who have an intention on destroying us are just walking
0: across the border. How about stopping the uh, World Health Organization from walking across our border and running roughshod over our independence as a nation and state?
2: We should have have no involvement in the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is a patsy for the communist Chinese. Tedros, who runs the World Health Organization, is an authoritarian, doesn't believe in individual liberty and has a long history of personal action against his own people. Uh, So this man is not one um, who can be trusted. And the whole idea of of giving them massive amounts of additional power to control the healthcare of the United States in an emergency setting is is insane. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. We have all the ability that we need domestically, and we certainly don't wanna give up our sovereignty or give up our liberty to an international organization that's dominated uh, by the communist Chinese. We certainly don't want to give it up to any international organization, but certainly not one dominated by the communist Chinese. So we should get out of the WHO. We should get out of the World Trade Organization. We really should have no involvement in these international organizations. And the reason is that they are to our great detriment. Uh, They are now heavily influenced by communist China, and uh, to trust them is just stupid. It's just hurting us, and it's also very damaging to individual sovereignty and liberty in this country.
0: Yeah, the WHO is 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 uh, unilaterally saying it wants twenty percent more for member nations to to pony up for their uh, pharmaceutical Marxist uh, misgivings. The things that they're trying to do by dominating the world through fear of of general um, yeah. per se. What we don't need is more
2: centralization of government control, either in general, but more particularly, we don't need greater bureaucratization of medicine. We certainly don't need greater bureaucratization of medicine when it's controlled outside of the United States bad enough when it's controlled inside the United States. So what we want is decentralization. What we really want is a competitive medical marketplace and we want freedom of speech. We want our own doctors to be able to have uh, freedom of professional judgment such that they can tell you what is in your own best interest without fear that giving you medical advice or health advice is gonna result in government action against them. Uh, We need to have recognized this is the practice of medicine. It is not a uh, perfect science, it's an art, and there needs to be creativity. And we need to allow medical practitioners with the full understanding of their patients to have the freedom to try things that are new or novel or different in overcoming the unique disease that infects each person. So it's not, this idea of centralization is anathema
0: mm.
2: to health freedom. And of course it is uh, health freedom that really determines our success in health, right? If we, if we don't have control over our own bodies, we can barely say that we are not slaves. Do you want to be enslaved to the federal government? No. Do you want to be enslaved to the world health organization?
0: No, no. And Jonathan, just like our own FDA and CDC captured by the pharmaceutical industry, the WHO is that on steroids and they don't invite homeopaths and naturopaths and herbalists and lay healers and or traditional healers from the history of thousands of years of natural medicine on this planet they're completely excluded from it and and most of all of those folks got it right we've even seen in Africa where they don't have the infrastructure for modern healthcare in certain uh, regions and countries they did far better than we did in the United States because they didn't oh. take the you know what even
2: even So Even so, um, we have to really understand that the WHO is, like our FDA, dominated by politics,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: not science. I mean, when they said, for example, the WHO defended Communist China in the notion that uh, COVID came from natural sources rather than was man-made in the Wuhan lab, that whole idea, with no evidence to support it, was... Swallowed hook, line, and sinker by WHO because WHO has been a mouthpiece for the communist Chinese. It really is a, a vehicle for the CCP to gain control over healthcare worldwide. And we're, we're becoming, through the Biden administration, willing recipients of, of foreign control over our healthcare system. And that's insane. We're going to see our healthcare system ruined if we go down this route. And uh, we've got to have less government, not more. We have to have freedom of informed choice by patients. We need to have doctors who are focused on patient care, not satisfying the dictates of government bureaucrats. Uh, We need this whole marketplace in healthcare to become more competitive, not less competitive, more decentralized, not more centralized, more responsive to each patient and their needs not less so. And the direction Biden wants us to go in is ever greater control. Recognize when you have these draconian controls like they had during the COVID epidemic, where they take control over your life, they tell you, you can't go to certain places. They tell you, you have to wear a mask. They tell you that you cannot worship at a place that you want to worship at. I mean, all of this stuff, can't, your children can't go to school. All of this stuff is is really political this isn't health related this is this is the politics of controlling large bodies of people Mm -hmm. and causing them to be terrified you're trying to inject terror into our society so people become more compliant with the demands of government that's what that's all about and (laughs) we've we've seen the ruin it causes we've seen the economic ruin the destruction of kids lives I mean, the suicide rates going way up with kids. We've seen the loss of education and so the kids are years and years behind. We've also witnessed how this has, has caused tremendous disruption in the marketplace. And yet, we, we, the government still wants to say that this type of uh, intervention that they had before is something they will keep available to themselves to use again, And then some with WHO, right? With WHO dictating to the United States how we are to handle Hmm. disease.
0: The centralization on steroids, again, uh, it's bad enough when our own government, you know, claws all of the, you know, energy of the people through various mechanisms, including over taxation, etc. But then to take and turn over the sovereignty, what's left of it, if you will, over to a globalist organization that is, you know, avowed Marxist collectivist agendas. Look at this next article uh, that's uh, on Fox News uh, by Julia Musto. It says the WHO chief is warning of future pathogens with even deadlier potential than COVID 19. Now, I, here, I think we should have learned something from the gain of function research studies that these were not naturally occurring. Uh, genetic sequences, whether you want to call them viruses or amino acid protein uh, sequences, whatever it is, these are man-made, not God-made. And I would argue that the prediction by the WHO is because they are invested in and, and supportive of, in fact, they're on the record, Jonathan, is saying we need more gain-of-function studies. We need to uh, stop countries from curtailing these gain-of-function studies. Because they want more of this because they've been able to utilize it to their advantage to gain more centralized, powerful control beyond even the so-called sovereignty of individual nations. Beyond that, even though it's bad enough at that level. So the idea of -of gain-of-function Fauci's around the world coming through WHO, Gates Foundation funded, et cetera, should be all we need, whether you're a Democrat, Republican or not, or anything, to get us out of the WHO now. Yeah there's no benefit
2: whatsoever to our membership in the WHO for the United States. Can you name one benefit to the United States by being a member of WHO? We pay all this money to WHO, we get kicked in the teeth all the time by WHO, we get dictated to about what how our healthcare system is to operate here in the United States. What is the benefit to the United States of being a member of WHO? Now uh, some people will say, "Oh, it's it's ph- philanthropy." We, we, we are able to channel our money into WHO and WHO will do good things around the world. Well, that's utter nonsense mm-hmm. the WHO proved itself to be an absolute basket case during the COVID pandemic. They caused more misery and they've been totally behind uh, the vaccine and the whole idea of, of suppressing uh, treatments. So they're part and parcel of this bigger picture, which is designed to cause massive profit for, the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world at the great expense of the American people. The COVID epidemic did not change one iota in its trajectory. I said this all the way through. I said this from the start of it. I said, look, the COVID trajectory is not going to be changed by this vaccine. It's not going to be changed. And as it turns out, it was not changed one bit. And the reality is that rather than help us overcome COVID, the vaccine had no role to play. Natural immunity is the thing that got us out of COVID we're in the endemic phase out of the pandemic phase and it's fleeting fast and why is that because all of us almost all of us have natural immunity now so people they told they lied to us all the way through they said if you're vaccinated you won't get covid well almost everybody who is vaccinated has now had covid when it comes to uh, transmitting disease they said only those who are unvaccinated will transmit the disease lie again people who are vaccinated could carry and transmit the disease then they told us that those who are vaccinated uh, will will have less severe disease. Really, a lot of people who are vaccinated actually died. Uh, now and then you got this other situations happening right now. So people who are repeatedly boosted apparently are at much much higher risk of a whole bunch of disease states. Mm-hmm. And we're going into an era now for the next several generations where we are going to be treating people with chronic ailments. All that have been reasonably precipitated by the COVID vaccine. So you've got this whole inflammation reaction, cascading set of events where people who are borderline with diabetes, heart disease, uh, kidney disease, liver disease are are frequently being pushed over by the inflammation reaction that is being caused by the artificial spike proteins that are being generated from the, the vaccine. So look, the vaccine was a, let's be honest, it was a disaster. It didn't prevent you from getting COVID. It didn't prevent you from carrying the disease. It did not prevent you from getting sick from the vaccine. The vaccine actually became an independent source of injury all around the world with massive adverse event reports more adverse event reports associated with this vaccine than all other vaccines combined. So not a good thing. It really wasn't a great thing. And instead, what did they do at public policy? They suppressed early treatment. And early treatment posed the best option for reducing the risk of death from COVID. And they were suppressing it in favor of the vaccine. They're kicking people out of hospitals. They kicked them out of their jobs in the military. And, and, in, and uh, you know, doctors and nurses and first responders and policemen all kicked out of their jobs because they wouldn't be vaccinated. And you know, you know the bill that I'm going to introduce on that, Robert. Mm-hmm. You know that I'm going to introduce legislation as soon as I get in there. that is going to require all those federal fund recipients to give the option of rehiring to everyone who is terminated, beca- wrongfully, of course, because they wouldn't take the vaccine and give them back their pay and give them back their promotions that they would have been due. And also, we're going to end permanently any ability by the federal government to impose mandates. We have absolutely no interest whatsoever in a federal health uh, dictatorship. We have every interest in opposing that. What we want instead is freedom to practice medicine and healthcare, individualized, in the best interests of patients yeah so I mean, let's,
0: let's give more autonomy to the states to allow of uh, a wide variety of responses yeah. that are beyond the purview of, of the federal uh, you know like things like FDA we're
2: going to stop the wave of pandemics that will come in the future because the chinese now realize the value of this model if we are going to fight against that not only have to do we have to disarm the communist chinese and certainly deny them access to our science and our research and our gain of function research. But in addition to that, we have to prohibit gain of function worldwide from the United States, view gain of function research as an immediate and direct threat to humanity. Yeah, And we also have to understand that in order for us to prevail against the next inevitable pandemic, we've got to invest ourselves in freedom in allowing scientists and doctors and researchers to publish, freely communicate, experiment with alternatives, enabling us to find a way out because relying on a bureaucratic solution to healthcare problems is ruinous. Mm-hmm. It's not, we need testing yeah. in the marketplace with individual doctors experimenting and using their best information and communicating to other practitioners. If we had free speech during this whole thing, We would have saved literally tens of thousands, if not millions. Yeah, I agree.
0: Freedom is uh, the solution. It's the answer to the problem. And of course, the the opposite is what's being done. It's suppression. And, you know, this is the disaster that is allopathic medicine beyond the scope of its expertise, right? And I've talked about this many times where it has an excellent track record is putting you back together after you've been hit by a bus or shot by a bullet. Uh, No one disputes that. But when they apply those same, you know, acute emergency interventions to chronic disease, they ignore the fact that many of their interventions that they believe and perceive in almost in a religious fervor sort of way, not a scientific validated way, are creating diseases that they profit from the management of those diseases. While those of us out here and some of my medical friends as well say we are you know that system that monopoly system is profiting off of keeping disease going as opposed to those that are in, invested in actually bringing healing to the people in freedom well
2: uh, i mean is it is anybody naive enough to think that the whole uh uh response to this the vaccines that came out of the few companies that designed the vaccines that that wasn't designed to be a massive profit center Does they I mean, have any fine. naive conception that Fauci was interested in humanity rather than himself in this whole thing. Does anybody have any naive conception that Bill Gates is truly a uh, beneficent person rather than a malevolent one when it comes to this whole issue? I mean, we are the, the the stories are 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 replete now. All the information is out in large measure about these people's motivations, about how they got involved in this, about. Their, their effort to develop a vaccine at the same time that they were developing gain of function research mm-hmm. and their and their complicity with one another to do that and their full understanding that the uh lack of adequate containment procedures in the wuhan lab and the beijing lab and the, these institutes in china that are really uh biological weapons labs for the pla that those that those lack of contain that lack of containment would inevitably mean that there would be a release of this.
0: Well, and I think it was not by accident, but by design. I mean, you remember when Fauci predicted when Trump comes to office, that there will be a pandemic of like a surprise. Right, after, like, after, his election,
2: like after Right. So it was after his election, before Trump's inauguration, Fauci at Georgetown university medical center in a presentation, he made there said definitively that there would be a pandemic during the rig, the uh, Trump administration.
0: Yeah. How do you and, know that? Fauci, is that interesting? So that tells me that there's intent, not accident. And of course, all the cover-ups, all the things, and then they go, oh, it's not Wuhan. Well, we can go through that again, but I I do want to talk about a legal strategy with you uh, out of New York State, because it's bad enough that the federal government violates the Constitution, but the New York uh, State government is violating its own state-level Constitution as well. They already lost on this issue of mandating uh, the COVID jabs for healthcare workers. And yet they appealed the ruling until it looked like inevitably it was going to be lost on appeal, and then they suddenly said we are now rescinding the mandate. And and I think the strategy here, because it seems to be they don't want to lose the ability to claim they have the authority to mandate again for the next one, round that comes up inevitably, based on what but I'm seeing. They, they,
2: they don't want to re- have a determination made that calls into question the constitutionality of what they did because that would prevent them in future from immediately resorting to it and mm-hmm. having it survive uh, for a time before there's constitutional challenge again. Yeah, this is just a, a ploy. They don't want to be held accountable. And so they, they're, they've just withdrawn it.
0: But and, what but- have you done to stop them from uh, having that precedent set? I mean, they say now that we should, you should just dismiss the case because the mandate's no longer there. We've gotten rid of it. But can you push the court to say, well, Vacate the appeal in a sense and make that lower court ruling stand as you have not the authority to do this.
2: Yeah, there there are procedures that can be undertaken. They could have done that. Um, it's a difficult situation uh, when the government um, drops its its pursuit of a matter because then there's no there's no uh, case or controversy left to proceed it. But when it's capable of repetition yet evades review. Mm-hmm. Frequently the courts consider whether they ought to hold on to it sufficient enough so that they can so they could it.
0: argue maybe to say hey you need to rule that what they did initially was unconstitutional so they can't do this again
2: yeah the court w- won't won't likely do that but the court can ensure that the earlier court decision to the extent that there is an earlier court decision that goes against them mm-hmm. that, that that is upheld the decisions that goes in favor of them and they drop the basis for the appeal, you know, there's then no case or controversy upon which to decide on appeal.
0: Okay. Well, we've got these upcoming events happening, many of them, and uh, hopefully all inclusive, uh, all the Jonathan Emord events he mentioned earlier today, and we have that linked up. Go to emord4va.com, particularly the big one on June 2nd, 6.30 to 9.30 p.m., historic Bush Tabernacle in uh, Purcellville. Virginia
2: I, I don't know if you have a, the pictures of the campaign cars they're awfully cool Robert there's two of them uh, those campaign cars are gonna be in this Fourth of July parade and uh, my daughter who you know has a beautiful voice yes is a very well-trained singer she's gonna pop her head out of one of the sky roofs there in the first car yeah and sing with loudspeakers she's gonna sing uh,
0: Uh, God bless America. Where, where will the uh, parade be on July 4th that you'll be a part of?
2: That's, that's going to be in, uh, Loudoun County, Virginia, and there's a specific location. We'll have all that information on the website here pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, it's on July the 4th and, uh, it's going to be super cool. Uh, we're going to go along that whole parade route with all the people from Loudoun County that go out to those things. And they are large numbers some 10,000 people or more that will be along the route and uh it'll be it'll be fascinating so we're we've got uh everything in the works in preparation for that and 21 volunteers that are going to run by the cars on the sides of the cars distributing stuff and i'm going to be out there running next to the car it's about a mile or so uh uh trek from the start to the finish so
0: dude that's so awesome Me? uh my daughter's also in uh the, the she was in a play last year a very patriotic play over the july 4th holiday weekend called uh uh, it was cries of liberty uh something along those lines and she's now playing joan of arc this year and then she's got a big singing wow. it's gonna be amazing It'll be fun to watch she just loves uh doing that and uh, as i said just can't I, uh, jonathan i can't believe how fast these kids are growing up when i saw your kids wow. on this last trip to virginia i was like good lord
2: i know robert they just grow up so doggone fast well and, and I said, robert the next stage yeah. you know man is they leave and then they're on their own there robert <laughs>
0: i know we're getting close to that but
2: we're always there for them but the fact of the matter is they're no longer our little teeny babies in our arms, arms So,
0: but we still think in terms of what can we do to make their lives better and what could be better than to set the stage for uh, an america that loves liberty again that defends individual liberty that pushes back against tyranny and marxism and collectivism
2: yeah yep so we're going to be uh this whole campaign is to save America and save Virginia. And we're going to do that. And the nice thing about this whole campaign, Robert is that now we have lieutenants all over the state, very dedicated, strong volunteers. Uh, just yesterday I got this call out of the blue and it was one of the people that I, had, um, I, I spoke to in, in Lynchburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said, um, actually, Crawford, I'm sorry. Her, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> and she said that, uh, she said, you know what? Um, I, uh, I'm so interested in helping. I've already on my own been going door to door, presenting all the information I have, mimeo, you know, photocopying what I have and giving it out. And she said, is there any way please for you to have information sent to me and maybe some bumper stickers and yard signs. And she said, I, I, I'm going to be reaching. She said, I will go to a thousand homes Hmm. as I have in prior, prior campaigns. But she said, I'm coming out early for you because I want everybody to know about you. So I said of course I'll do anything you want. So we're sending her a whole haul of campaign stuff and but it's that that's that's one example and it's just so cool because people realize that you know they finally have somebody who really uh, loves the constitution and wants to save the country and who is a doer. I mean who's yeah. somebody who'll actually act you, know, right.
0: and you you've got a plan going in. There's no mystery about what you're going to do. There's no vagueness. Right. You're not a chameleon like the the opposition in, uh, in, in, in the Senate right now at Virginia. Uh, so I think that's what I see. I've witnessed people resonating with the message that you're sending out because you resonate that with your it's core different. being. Every, it's
2: interesting, Robert. I was at this event the other day and I was sitting there and this other uh, candidate got up and started talking. I was listening to what he had to say, but I couldn't really figure out what his position was. And I thought, am I alone in that regard? Did I, because I didn't hear the whole thing. I heard most of it, but I didn't hear every word he said. I thought, did I, uh, is that right? Did he not say anything? And um, then I was standing there and this woman came up to me and she said, I hate, I hate standard politicians that come up there and don't tell you anything about themselves. And then she looked at me and she said, are you a politician? And I said, no, I'm not really a politician. I'm running for office to save the country, but I'm not a politician. And she said, well, I certainly hope you're, you're, you're not a politician. Then I got up there and talked. I got up there and spoke. And then I came back and she smiled, was smiling at me. And she said, well, you're just telling it like it is. And you're, you're telling us what you're going to do. And I appreciate that. Mm So what you're saying is right. People want solutions to problems. What they don't want is more, more uh, BS from these politicians. What they want is to hear what, what we can do to solve the problems, you know, what you're going to actually do. And they may disagree with that. That's their right. They can say, Hey, I don't want, you know, I don't want you, I don't want somebody to do that, Hmm. but you owe it to them. I think if you're going to, if you're going to run for one of these offices, the minimum you owe them is to tell them straight. Yeah. What you're going to do. Right. You're
0: win on on that, which you believe and and that what you are going to do, not uh, the deception that you have to then live in duplicity. And as I said, that's not a comfortable place if you have integrity. Uh, that's not you, Jonathan. And I think everybody here knows that. And as you go out, yeah. about, people will learn about that.
2: The other thing is, I don't understand this absolute fear that these a lot of these politicians have of debate. They don't want to have to defend themselves. They right. don't want to have to argue about issues. Mm-hmm. They don't. To, I
0: look forward to it.
2: I mean, I I believe in what I believe. If someone disagrees with what I have to say. I'm happy to you debate run
0: from that. I I engage in that. You engage in that, and I think we're better for it. We are. I
2: mean, one person came up to me every now and again. It's not very often, but every now and again, but one person came up to me and they said, "I really d- disagree with you fundamentally. I think that what you stand for." will actually cause greater division in America because rather than compromising with those that are in power, you are insisting on, you know, not doing so. And I said, well, actually, I'm only insisting on ensuring that the constitution of the United States that all of us agreed to is defended and upheld. I don't believe in unconstitutional government and I will fight against that. I will not compromise to take the core values and principles of this country and bend them and break them and modify them. I will not do that. I will defend those core principles. And so that person then said, that's why you are not going to get elected because you're not willing to compromise. And I said, that's why I will get elected because I will do what what I say will do. I said, let me ask you this. If somebody is willing to compromise even the principles of this country away, how can you trust that person to do what you want them to do How can you have them say in advance what they'll do to elect them when what they are going to do instead is compromise to achieve whatever end is politically expedient at the time? Mm -hmm. I said, that's what we already have in Washington. That's why we're already screwed up so badly, because we don't have principled people in power, because we don't have people who, who understand the constitution restricts their power and just assume power and proceed with it without regard to our rights. So you, you know, you can, you can certainly favor someone who will compromise away the core principles of this country. And that's not me. And you're right. You have a right to vote against me. But what you will find is that I will never tell you that I'm going to do something and not do it. And I will never bend on my commitment to defend the constitution and the principles that underlie it. And so you know the the person looked at me rather strangely, but there was no agreement there, right? They're they're against me because I'm not going to compromise. It's the same th- same thing. And from the other side, you know, that was a person who's very left wing, I think. So that I had a conversation with a person who was a inside the beltway kind of a conservative. So yeah. you got a person who who's the old kind of you know Mitch McConnell. I'll compromise and we'll come up with a deal and all that. And on that score. I was, I was told, well, how are you going to get along with the uh, Republican establishment in Washington when you have opinions that, you know, like on the vaccine that disagree with what they believe and you, and on health freedom, that disagrees with what um, they believe. And I said, I'm not here to get along. I am I'm here to do something to save the country. Yeah. So I don't care if they don't like me, if I'm standing up for what's right. That's what I care about. If, I, if I'm 99 years old, I'm looking back at my life and what I've done. I want to know that I did the right thing. I don't want to know that I was successful in compromising with a bunch of uh, blowhard Republicans who are up there just to, for their own uh, self-interest and benefit or Democrats for that matter. I mean, and and I don't mean to say that all Republicans are like this and it's not true that they are. And I do believe that the uh, basic principles of the Republican Party closest are closest in alignment to my own views and principles. That's why I'm running as a Republican. But I do mean to say that there are some bad Republicans. And I do mean to say that the whole Democrat Party, sadly, has been now taken over by people who are Marxists, who believe in total government control. Well, and, anyway, if you're uh, party and you don't think that way it's time to get out you either jump into the independent category or jump into the republican category but don't stay in this party that's a marxist party yeah i mean you don't want to be it's like sort of like a stigma you, you get attached to this you you don't want to run around the country saying i'm a democrat and, and and because that that really has become synonymous with i'm a marxist these days
0: yeah well that's what you know bobby kennedy has to deal with running as a Democrat for president, even as I, I I learn more about him and I like him a lot, a man of integrity and great critical thinking skills. and libertarian.
2: He's from the old civil yeah. libertarian school in many respects.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He's an economic liberal, yeah. which is, we can't have that either. We're going to, you know, we're, we have $32 trillion of debt. We cannot have a welfare state. We have got to get back to free enterprise. We have to grow.
0: Yeah, freedom is and
2: Shrink the government dramatically. And we will have a boom in economic activity and great, increase in uh, economic opportunity if we'll do that very thing, substantially cut taxes and grow the private sector. And we should never trust in bureaucrats. You know, Jefferson said, you know, at the start of the Republic, I am not a friend of a very energetic government. It is always oppressive. And indeed it is. Energy and government is a bad thing. There's this one candidate who's running against me in the Republican party. And his motto is, let's make government work better. Yeah. Cal, you really believe that? I mean, working better for government means less freedom for you. We want less government. We don't want government to work better. We want government to work less. Exactly. Uh, we're going to be free if we are uh, without government, if we have government working better. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. But anyway, well, I laughed at that.
0: In today's show notes, you'll check out links to Jonathan e. Emord 4 vacom Upcoming events, we mentioned the Loudoun County Summer Jamboree, Friday, June 2nd. If you can't make it to that, let's say you're on the west coast of America and it's a difficult trip, uh, come on over to the Upcoming Events tab at robertscottbell.com. And that same time frame, again, I'm not telling you not to go to Loudoun County. If you can be there with Jonathan, do it. Uh, but I'll be at the uh, uh, National Conference of the We the Patriots USA event. I'll be speaking, I'll be broadcasting, and that's happening June 2nd and June 3rd, Friday, Saturday in Boise, Idaho, where I've never been. I'm very excited to be there, and very good friends of mine like Dr. James Weiler, one of the greatest scientists America has, and I say that because he's a man of integrity. He does not believe in the politics of science and the economics of it, controlling uh, what you can study. He's a man of of great integrity, like Jonathan Emord in that realm, and I appreciate him so much. Also, Brian Hooker, PhD, who we know very well, and he's come to the Health Freedom Expos with us as well, will be there. Connor Boyack, who's written a a series of books called The Tuttle Twins, the series on The Tuttle Twins, which is a fantastic libertarian uh, books, uh, let's say, sequence of books that I think every every family should read for their kids, Uh, and more will be there with us. Uh, Peter McCullough will be there, Ryan Cole and Steve Dace, who I just met on this show a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot going on there, and I'd love for you to be there. And by the way, uh, Brian Festo is putting this on, has given us all a code to use if you want to attend it for 50% off RSB 50, RSB 50 until May 31st. If you want to get tickets for the We the Patriots USA event, and we have that linked up, and that's happening June 2nd and 3rd, get 50% off RSB 50. So I just wanted to give everybody a heads up on that. And uh, Jonathan, there's so many good people out there, and many of those people I know support you. And some of them are already friends of yours, like Brian Hooker, who you've met at the various Health Freedom Expos as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we're very fortunate, Robert. People are rallying around the standard of liberty, and that is a great thing. Uh, The Democrats who are in power had hoped that Americans would just fall in line. But the fear factor induced during the COVID era Mm -hmm. would cause them to relinquish their liberty and not seek it back and that they would just humbly become supplicants of government control. And that's what, what they thought we would do. They thought they could fully get away with that. And they're finding out that, indeed, the American people are rising up in defense of their liberties against big government. And it's happening, and I see that all over Virginia. I see this movement afoot. People are sick and tired of that regime that's in power. You have somebody there, and Tim Kaine has been there for over 12 years, He's just rotting away, supporting this massive growth of government, and he's just a rubber stamp. He's a little uh, puppet of uh, of, of uh, Chuck Schumer. He really is, and and it's, it's no surprise because he came out of the clinton cane campaign. A lot of people, you know, don't like Hillary Clinton with good reason for all of the corruption and all of the abuse of power and her uh campaign bought the steel dossier and it had it was entirely fabricated and gave it to through the inside connections to the FBI and then we had this whole system of corruption going on in the FBI where they knew it was fake, they knew it was false and yet they used it and lied about its authenticity to the FISA courts and got all those warrants against all the Trump people. Well people forget that 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 quiet rather uh as in to, to use his own language, boring person Tim Kaine, he called himself boring, uh, was behind Hillary Clinton every step of that way and was fully aware of what was going on, and yet still blasted Donald Trump as being involved in Russian collusion and still stood up in defense of the whole shift show and the skiff in the basement of the Capitol where they were saying they had evidence when they had none. and. All this tax waste of tax dollars for this smear campaign—he was all part of that.
0: And how much of the tax dollars of the U.S. Uh, taxpayers go into suppress speech? Still, I mean, active, engaged censorship campaigns by our bureaucratic agencies. Uh, you think about the antithesis again of the First Amendment—the first one, right? And and we, we're still seeing that. You see- and, and-
2: seen the Democrats in control weaponize the Justice Department and the FBI to pursue political agendas and even to attempt a coup d'etat, yeah. even to attempt an overthrow of a sitting president.
0: It's absolutely amazing. I want to ask you a philosophical question. there And, and we, we talk about this in uh, the historical context of the founding fathers and what they thought about you know, government, its role power, power for power's sake. There's a Brownstone Institute article by Alan Lash. It says a warning to those who seek power. And it's an interesting uh, philosophical you know, uh, pondering, if you will, about power, the nature of power. Is power something you wield or is power something that wields you? And I found that very very interesting as we see people in power like Walensky or the Fauci's of the world and what they do, and then they run for the cover, giving historical examples like Julius Caesar in power, and suddenly out of power. Uh, French Revolution, other things that happened, and even the American Revolution, in power, out of power, and what our founding fathers set up as a form of government that would not allow for that broad or centralization of that power because they knew it would inevitably use, be used to suppress freedom of the people. Uh, so what your thoughts on the philosophy of power and its role in government?
2: Well, those are good questions. And, you know, the founding fathers were very, very concerned about uh, concentrations of power and meant for our Constitution to prevent concentrations of power. That's why they had a separation of powers, legislative, executive, and judicial, following Montesquieu's Spirit of the Laws and and John Locke's Second Treatise. And they also believed in strictly delegated power so as not to allow a concentration of power. So, and and you see the references to power all throughout uh, the founding generation in their publications and their exchange of letters. And so even, for example, George Washington, who said famously, uh, um, uh, he said that let there be no change by usurpation, meaning no change by uh, uh, assuming power uh, that is beyond your office. So no change by usurpation. For though in one instance it may be an instrument of good, it is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. So they meant for a free government to be established. What is a free government? A free government is a republic of limited powers that that is designed for the purpose of protecting individual rights. That's the quintessential purpose of a free government to protect individual rights. And this, this, but they knew right from the start, you have Madison worrying about the constitution becoming but a mere parchment barrier. You have Thomas Jefferson saying that Those in government had to be bound down by the chains of the Constitution because he was so upset with the Alien and Sedition Acts, immediate act by the Adams administration to assume vast powers of censorship, seditious libel censorship over the population. Many, many people were prosecuted. Several anti-federalists were incarcerated. Republicans were incarcerated. Uh, And uh, Jefferson and Madison rose up against that through the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions to defend the First Amendment against that kind of tyranny. So we have a great history of liberty and and fight for liberty. We had one of the most really divinely inspired moments in the history of the world when the Founding Fathers understood quintessentially that the rights of man, individual freedom of choice, are those things that are just the greatest gifts of God to man and that when government interferes with that it sins it actually violates a sacred covenant between God and man to allow man the freedom to choose individually and so that's that's why we must preserve this beautiful republic it's a magnificent thing it's one of the greatest it's it is the greatest form of government in the history of the world and it is unique to our nation Many nations tried to follow it. Many nations tried to have revolutions similar to it. Not a single one succeeded. This is a unique and rare situation we have here, and it's very precious, and we have to appreciate that fully because it's now on the verge of extinction here in our own country with people who want to destroy it. But I have faith in the American people, and I think they will rise up and defend this. People, as has been said many times, those who – value freedom the most are the ones who had it and then had it taken away from them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's where we are at. We're at a point now where we've just gone through the the COVID epidemic and we're witnessing aggressive government right and left, taking away our rights, our rights to fossil fuels, our rights to uh, harvest them and use them and to have our own way, economic way of living being taken from us by a government that's insisting on a socialism that. Uh, has bureaucrats telling us, coming up with plans for how we are to have energy in this country, coming up with government plans on how we are to have health care in this country, coming up with government plans on how you are to raise your children without the uh, parents being in charge, instead having the schools and administrators in the public schools taking control of the upbringing yeah. and education of your children.
0: What are the What is the backstop, you know, when it can't or seemingly is not happening at the federal level? Again, I'm, you know, all in. You know that. I want you in the United States Senate because you can impact things there. You're not delusional to think that you're one man that can change everything any more than we believe if Ron Paul were president would change everything overnight, but significantly change the, uh, certainly the discussion uh, and bring things to the fore that were are simmering under the, you know, the aegis, uh, what is the word of, 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 uh, you know constitutional authenticity which is not happening much in our government do we come back to that concept of nullification the states having that you know backstop if you, if it all comes to collapse at that federal level and nobody seems to be able to remedy it we've got to have some resistance at the level where freedom can res- be regained and restored you know the gain the ground gained
2: i agree and the constitution even provides for that backstop uh in the states and i'm all for it but i do believe on the national level that You've got in, in, the, in me, a person who's relentless and I will not accept no as an answer. I will not accept that, oh, this is not politically real for you to campaign across the United States to get legislation you introduce passed. I'm going to do all of those things. I am going to be relentless in fighting for freedom in this country. There's nothing that will stop me from that crusade. I am simply dedicated to it, to my core. I owe it to the founding generation. I believe fundamentally in the principles they have given us and I mean for those to be reestablished, and for this country to become a republic once again and get out of the business of socialism, get out of the business of managing individuals' lives, stop trying to make our kids socialists, stop trying to get our kids to believe that their gender is fluid so you can ruin their whole lives by having them have operations that attempt to create them into another sex when that's absolutely biologically impossible and results in absolute mutilation
0: of young people. Pharmaceutical customers Uh, for life. Right. I mean,
2: this is, we have to rise up against this and we have to do it with a vengeance. And I'm happy, as I've said to my audiences over and over again, I'm happy to be the tip of the spear. If the audience will simply be the spear, just drive it and let me do the business of taking down that horrible dragon that is ruining us. I mean, we have to be in ensure that future generations have freedom in this country. I'm always reminded of Reagan's statement, that, that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We did not pass it upon, we did not uh, 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 pass it to our children through the bloodstream, but it must be fought for and protected and handed on to them. Or one day in our senior years, our sunset years, we will have to tell our children and our children's children what it was once like in America to be free,
0: and why we didn't stand up when we had an opportunity to stand up. To Those retain.
2: are the Ronald Reagan on this, and they're prophetic, and they and they echo through the ages. I mean, even even uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, when he was in his twenties, speaking in 19, 1838 before the The uh, the Lyceum in Springfield, Virginia, I mean, Springfield, Illinois. He said at that time that if destruction be our lot, we must be its author and finisher. He said that as freemen, we will live for all time or die by suicide. And that's the point. That's the point. We have it within our power to be free. We have been free. And what does it take from us? It takes from us nothing more than a fervent conviction to vote in people who will save freedom and vote out those who won't. And I know there's corruption in the electoral process, but we must overwhelmingly establish the truth, which is that we are the majority. We may have been a silent majority, but we now have to become vocal. Every single one of us has to become vocal. The future and survival of liberty depends on it. It really does.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Jonathan Imor, for standing strong. I'm honored to be on this journey with you, my friend. You know that. Love to the whole family as we wrap up this week's show. And I hope to see you at, again, another campaign event or any kind of event. We know we're going to be together at the Health Freedom Expo in October. But until then, there may be other opportunities to connect and uh, support around the country. And I want to be there if I can.
2: You bet, Robert. I appreciate it, buddy.
0: All right. That's Jonathan E. Mord, Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We got a lot more healing to go, political, economic, and spiritual. Yeah, that's right. Physical, emotional, mental, all of that is involved here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you for being here. Stand by. Mark Anthony joins us, and we got a, a preview of the Spiritual Awakenings International Conference coming up uh, Saturday, June 10th, and, 11th, and Sunday the 11th. Free. Absolutely free. What is it? If you hadn't heard about it yet, we'll tell you about it next because the power to Heal is yours.
1: The, Robert Scott, the Bell Robert, Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.
0: If you're thinking about a real practical and pragmatic education, in body, mind, spirit, healing, and health. Trinity School of Natural Health, their uh, classes begin in four days from now. For those of you listening and watching live on the 25th of May, 2023, classes begin on May 29th. You can call up 800-428-0408, option number two, 800-428-0408. Find out which classes are starting up and how to get plugged into that. TrinitySchool.org. Also, uh, very grateful for uh, many of you out there that support the Robert Scott Bell Show simply by sharing the show. Uh, many of you have rediscovered it uh, on the unfortunate passing of our good friend, my good friend, Dr. Rasha Batar, last week. The shocking uh, conclusion to his f- life's mission while he was here, but all of us are dedicated to continue on that message of health, freedom, and healing, liberty that we shared while we were on this planet together. And you know, that's a big question. This hour, we're going to address you know life beyond this lifetime. We call it life after death. Do you have to wait until you die to know what it's like to be on the other side? Mark Anthony's joining us again in just a few minutes, and we'll talk about the Spiritual Awakenings International Conference. It's absolutely free online uh, for you that uh, you want to explore further. or You have questions about things. You just want to hear stories that are being shared that are quite profound and uplifting. And, you know, we need a lot of bright light now, don't we, in the midst of a lot of these things. Once again, just uh, I am in cel- celebratory mode Celebration mode. It really was uplifting yesterday. My daughter graduated high school, and we had a lot of friends come over. We had a lot of uh, a cookout that kept going into the night. Desserts came, organic desserts, amazing stuff. Thank you for everybody that uh, get, get, came around and 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 celebrated. And the messages of celebration from all of you in the midst of loss. Uh, there's always reason as well to celebrate, and we even celebrate the life of those we lost by, uh, you know, continue on the mission, the legacy, the purpose the passion that they've had, friends, family members, loved ones, all um, its the nature of life that it has a cycle. Uh, I believe with all of my heart, my experience that life continues well beyond this physical lifetime, that we're just inhabiting this physical body. And that's why I am not concerned for those who pass on. It's for those of us who are left behind and the sadness we feel, the void that is left. But gratitude and service, these are some of the things we talk about on this show. And, And yesterday we did talk a lot about service with a serverpreneur as you heard yesterday, as well as Anna and Laban Ditchburn, who joined us surprisingly back in the States from India, their journey there. Uh, Super Don, if you don't mind, open your mic and, and I just want to check in with you, my brother. Uh, you know, when when Jonathan Emore on, there's not a lot of room for Super Don. That's he, okay. Jonathan appreciates you too, my brother.
1: That's all right. No complaints. Yeah,
0: I know. I know. So I, I know we want to talk about some uh, weight loss drugs as well. I want to get into that. Oh, just not just
1: any it. weight loss drug.
0: No, yeah. It's our new one. favorite weight our loss favorite. drug on this show. Yes. Right, and it's not something we are going to endorse ever. I can say that with a great degree of certainty. That's not being obstinate. <laughs> it's being, uh, uh, you know. Cons- it honestly is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, yeah, if you call it, you know, yeah. you know what, the gift that keeps on giving. Um, real quick, just a reminder for those of you considering coming to the We the Patriots USA event in Boise, Idaho, 2nd and 3rd of June, we now have t- discount tickets available for you. 50% off, in fact, RSB 50, and that's good until May 31st. So yep. jump on those tickets.
1: Just and click on good. the banner over at Upcoming Events and uh, RSB 50. Dude, 50% off. That's huge.
0: I know. I talked to Brian this morning, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. So nice. uh, I've, I've never been to Boise. I'm very excited. only thing that's going to bum me out is that, Super Don, you're not going to your families that would make you maybe a little closer to Boise. Yeah. I could see you as well which would be fun to have a reunion one day, one day. Did one
1: you day. know you can pump your own gas in Idaho?
0: That, well, I remember you're not allowed to do it in like, was it Washington in Oregon. or Oregon? You're not in Oregon. To do yeah, yeah. 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 That's just Absolutely. weird. Of it's course, kind of fun because yeah.
1: when we go to that, to 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 see my son there on Eastern Oregon, uh, the cities that are in Oregon that are really yeah. close to the border, they just go ah pump your own gas.
0: Oh, do they? They just like yeah. wave it off. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. It's just so silly. It's so ridiculous. Now, of course, if the Oregonians at the state capital there in, in Eugene, is it got had their way, there would be no gas in Oregon, you know, at all. You just pump your own electricity. Sure. That's you right. You'll
1: get in. And then when there's, you know, the power goes out, you can't drive.
0: Yeah. It's so much for that. So I know it's just amazing what's going on here. Oh, by the way, the, the, the play my daughter is in is called cries of freedom. She had yelled down to me. Uh, and it's weird because she's, she's home because she's not in school. She graduated. Super I know. how my weird god. is that it's very strange
1: by the way those of you that were uh, saying that yesterday my 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 volume level was extremely loud mm-hmm. you weren't kidding okay <laughs> when i went back and, la- and listened to the podcast it was just ridiculous so let me know if it sounded better
0: super don you had a god complex yesterday i'm gonna hey. on everybody else
1: it was yeah it was a bit extreme and i had no idea so hopefully this is better
0: yeah. Well, as we said, uh, you know, our background in radio, you have the boards in radio that are much more controllable. Even this board, which is awesome, its nuances are it's much. It's
1: deceiving. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It doesn't work quite the same. So I've made some some adjustments exactly. and hopefully fixed the problem.
0: Okay. Well, as I said, Mark Anthony's standing by. We're going to go to him in yeah. just a few minutes. But I do want to cover these couple of stories that you sent me, and we I held
1: these me. over from yesterday. Yeah, I just important. I can't help it uh, because I keep seeing these stories coming in mm-hmm. about. Ozempic, yeah, it's all the rage right now. Ozempic and Wagovi. The, are they the
0: same thing though? Aren't
1: they? They're the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the same same technology, same I believe it's the same mm-hmm. ingredient. And for those of you who don't know, I don't know how you couldn't know at this point because it's all yeah. over the news and we've talked about it. But mm-hmm. it it started off as a diabetes drug, yeah. And what happened was they started giving it to people. Yeah. And they started noticing, oh, uh, well, people are losing weight.
0: A side effect.
1: And so what happened was, you know, some elite people in Hollywood mm-hmm. said, oh, uh, I'll have some of that. Do you have diabetes? No, maybe I do. I, I might. Maybe I'll get diabetes someday. Okay, let me So just, just, just pretty, you know, let me have some of that there. 1500 bucks a month to take this diabetes drug. And people started taking it and they started losing weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, now with anything, when, you know, when they, when they come out with a drug, yeah. you know, people like you and I, Robert, mm-hmm. just kind of sit around going, okay, okay. go well, for it. Let, let, uh, give this a again. few weeks here, maybe a couple, a couple of months. And let's start hearing about what's happening when people are taking these drugs. And so then the, the side effects started rolling in and we went over all these side. I mean, it was oh, nasty, all, all these crazy side effects going on. Um. And so, you know, listen, we have a, a bit of skepticism about Ozempic at this point, and it's beyond us at this point why people would spend $1,500 a month to lose some weight. Well, you know, there's so many other ways you can do that without the side effects. Well, I saw this, and I was just like, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. It was a diabetes drug. Now people are taking it to uh, lose weight, and the drug company is just going, man.
0: We yeah, are yeah. loving this
1: because yeah. they, they can't keep up with the demand. Well, now all of a sudden here comes this, this, uh, this study. Yeah. Now they're saying that it was interesting how people who were taking this Ozempic, mm-hmm. it seemed like they stopped certain addictive behaviors like drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? it was drinking. Well, in- I
0: think one of the addictions that they list in this thing is spending money on organic groceries. So you know, it's kind of <laughs> a little weird. Oh, I was addicted to buying. Organic she was
1: addicted. Food. Yeah. Addicted to organic food.
0: So extreme. I couldn't stop from being extreme, going to Target and whatever. But obviously, it's affecting the personality of the person. It's not just the physiology, it's the emotional state. And of course, when you affect digestion, assimilation, absorption, elimination, you're going to impact the emotions. You can impact behavior. As we talked about Ozempic now. Um, it's semaglutide is the brand yep. no, was the brand name. That's no, that's so, the, the
1: the drug itself. Drug name, yeah, yeah, the drug
0: it for diabetes, and you see the gauntness, the face, the uh, the the weird Ozempic face. Of- this is one of one of the
1: uh, the side effects. It makes you look like the crypt keeper. Yeah, uh, it because it sucks all the fat out of your face, and your your skin can't keep up, mm-hmm. and and they people look like death warmed over. So and the, so now now they're finding out that apparently uh, behaviors like drinking, smoking, shopping. Yeah, biting nails and picking at your skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, Ozempic solves it. Is right. solving that. So I'm looking at this and I'm just going, "Oh, here we go." Yeah, they can't keep up with it already, and now you're going to have uh, people that are uh, treating people for addiction. They're going to go, "Oh, let us have mm-hmm. some of that too." You, this drug company is just making just making billions of dollars at this point.
0: Super Don, do you remember all these years together? That one of the things I said about addiction as it relates to the pancreas and hypoglycemia. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because this drug, Ozempic, was originally, as you know, developed for diabetes because it it prompts the pancreas to release insulin by mimicking a hormone called GLP-1 or glucagon, like peptide one. Right. And so what have I said about if you solve hypoglycemia, you solve a lot of addictive impulses because the misinterpretation of hunger, you know, sugar cravings can be applied to anything, drugs certain destructive behaviors and here they encounter the change in addictive behavior by altering the pancreatic function. Mm -hmm. So it again, it's another level of validation for uh, the crazy homeopaths of the world. What we've been saying, of course, the cost of doing this, this is not only $1,500 a month. If we go to the next article, we find that people on Ozempic say they are crap in the bed. (laughs) Yeah. No, Yay! If, if this is your idea of a great weight loss drug. Waking up and having crap the bed. I'm sorry, I'm not saying it <laughs> like they're saying it, but that.
1: sign me up, man. I just can't. Yeah. I can't get over the list of side effects that they are finding mm-hmm. uh with this here. Also, I, I, people I people good. are losing their hair too. There's another article. You see this here? Yeah. Ozempic patients say they're going
0: bald. But, hey, at least uh, my weight's down. I'm losing weight. I didn't want that hair anyway. But, yeah, if you crap your intestines out, uh, you're going to lose weight. <laughs> in a lot your of bed. Your well, look, can, I can't make this stuff up. And, and, you know, this- I
1: mean, listen, uh, they, they should be selling, like, brown pants along with every, uh, you know. Oh, uh, and sheets, too, because right?
0: you're sheeting the bed. Let's just call it that. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to use that word because we have kids in the audience. But Sheet? one user yes. wrote in the thread on Reddit, which has got 30,000 members, I quite literally sheet myself while sleeping. That's a first. Been tough a few days of diarrhea after my first Ozempic injection. Meanwhile, a 43-year-old anonymous man taking Wagovi Ozempic said, I just feel so embarrassed being a grown adult who messed his pants. To your point, superdot. Again, you're altering normal metabolic functions that may have been corrupted earlier due to deficiencies, toxicities, any number of things. And they're resolving it with a drug that makes those things worse, or maybe you didn't have them and now they are apparent. But hey, what's the price of uh, you know losing weight and uh, altering addictive patterns of behavior that could be altered by many many other mechanisms that don't require Ozempic like drugs causing you to sheet your sheets?
1: If you will, do you remember the old Kmart commercial? From back, I think it was like back in the '90s, where oh, yes. you know, Kmart was was not doing well, and so they yeah. decided to try and do some stuff online. And so right. they had this this feature, yes, where you could uh, order stuff from Kmart, and they would ship it to, you, to yeah. your house. Long and so they had they had people on the the a uh, commercial talking about how excited they were that they could ship their bed,
0: yes, to their They're house, pants. their pants, their, their,
1: their ship ship their. Well, there was one guy that said, I I, sh- I just ship my bed. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, you know, I'm ship my pants. <laughs>
0: yeah. SH-90. One lady
1: ordered a nighty, and she was talking about how excited she was that she could <laughs> ship her nighty to her house.
0: We did a commercial on that. I do remember. And I think we yeah. played it. We were yeah. just laughing hysterically. That's right. Anyway, let's put that behind us. No pun intended. Hopefully nobody in this audience <laughs> is embracing the Ozempic generation and where it's leading. And, uh, you know, when we talk about health, I talk about it from a physical, emotional, mental economic, political, and yes, spiritual level. And Mark Anthony, who's been on this show before, the psychic lawyer he's known as, is here to remind us about this upcoming event that's pretty phenomenal. It's coming up and it's free uh, through Spiritual Awakenings International. It's the uh, conference, uh, June 10th and 11th. And we have a link directly to it. If I click on that link in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, you'll see spiritualawakeningsinternational.org. Welcome back, Mark Anthony.
3: Thank you, Robert. It's great to be here. I appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Well, and I try to find humor in everything because there's enough to be sad and, and scared about in this life. They try to do the, all these strange things to us, but we got to laugh too at the ridiculousness of some of the things human beings do while they're in, in, in corporeal bodies, they, what they do to their bodies.
3: Yeah, I was listening to to you guys talking about uh, the the weight loss drug and you know, there's this thing called discipline. <laughs> And it's free. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. And, and, I and think- it
3: doesn't have negative side effects. You know, the, the problem is everybody's looking for the easy quick way. And, and you know, I said this, uh, I, I still have a personal trainer, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I used to have this one personal trainer about, uh, about 10 years ago and he used to be a forced recon Marine. Mm-hmm. All right. Not, not a huge sense of humor with this guy. And, you know, I was I was struggling and all this, and and uh I said, God, this is so hard. And he looked at me and he said, If being fit were easy, everyone would be fit. Mm-hmm. And and then I remember one day he had me doing duck walks. Okay, and we were out be, wow. behind the uh the gym, and you know, those are you know, you hold the weights and you oh do this. Gosh. Well, there was a yoga studio next door to us, and it was one of these where they sit in the heat and all this, and all the yoga people were out there. And I remember one of them, um, they said to me, they go, they saw us they go, oh, you should be in here doing yoga. You know, that is like so difficult on your body. And I could see my trainer's name was Patrick and I could see him just like, like clenching his teeth. And I said, yeah. I go, I bet my trainer here can kick your guru's ass. And Patrick goes, bring them on. And they all like screamed and ran in the That's the only time I ever saw that guy laugh. <laughs>
0: that, that's a great, that is hilarious. And, and I
3: realize I'm a spiritual teacher, yeah. but you know, the thing is, um, I don't sit on a mountaintop snorting mm-hmm. granola. You know, mm-hmm. I do live in the real world. I, I used to practice law full time, but now the focus of my life is on my spiritual work. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, we do have senses of humor. Yes. Um, we also we get ticked off. Um, we have problems. We have families, relationships, issues. And the thing is, the thing is, Robert, anybody can be spiritual when they're sitting on a mountaintop in Maui. Mm-hmm. It's when you're stuck in traffic, yeah, and you've got to be somewhere in five minutes, and there is no way you're gonna get there. So that's the real test of spirituality and being focused. So this is um a, a constant, constant issue. And I really like what you said about mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was so impressed when you said that because in as a medium and, and as, as a psychic, part of what I do is I see auras. All right. And people go like, oh, see auras. <clears throat> All right, see the lamps behind me. Mm-hmm. And there, do you see how there's a glow around them? There, another word for that glow is an aura. Mm-hmm. What an aura is, it's the visible energy field around a power source. Now, clearly, a light bulb has an aura, but so does a human being because we have an electrical system. And that's not some woohoo, airy-fairy concept. Right. This is proven by science. Mm-hmm. Okay, the brain has an electromagnetic field. The heart as the most powerful electrical field in the body, makes sense, it's a pump. But our entire body, um, our nervous system all runs on electrical impulses. So when you start to, to relax and you are looking at somebody, just kind of let your eyes relax, you'll start to see a bit of an outline around them. That's the aura. And so all living beings have auras, Anything with a power source has an aura. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, Robert, mm-hmm. the auric field has four levels, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. And when you start working with those, when one is out of sync, it negatively affects the other. So if you're not at peace with yourself All right. And you're having a spiritual issue. That's going to affect your your emotional state. Exactly. And when your your physical state is out of balance, it will affect the other. So it is a challenge to keep all four of these in alignment. And, um, you know, weight loss, um, weight loss is more than just losing weight. It's also our self-image. You know, we live in, a, in an era where, you know, you look at all these beautiful people on TV and on the Internet. They look like they stepped out of a Photoshop program, you know. And, and when I do go to the gym, yeah, those people do exist. They're walking around the gym. But, but the thing is, they work at it really hard. Mm-hmm. And, but sometimes people like that put all their focus into their physical yeah. and they tend to neglect the spiritual and the emotional and the mental, so so this is a, a, a full-on balance. And, and the reason that I'm bringing this up is because what we're talking about is Spiritual Awakenings International, and the uh, SAI, the Spiritual Awakenings International uh, online conference, is coming up on June 10th and 11th, and I'm going to be one of the, the featured speakers there. And I, I invite everybody to sign up for this. It's free. There are 33 speakers from over a dozen uh, different uh, countries, Mm -hmm. and we're going to be talking about different aspects of spirituality. And guess what? Those different aspects are going to focus on emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical aspects of your health and well-being. And so this is a, a really amazing conference, and I'm very honored to be part of it.
0: Yeah, and our friend uh, Ann Butcher is going to be speaking, I think, the second day of the event, and she's wonderful, and she enjoys you as well. She loves uh, hearing about you and having you on this show. We've enjoyed you the first time we had you, and I'm glad you're back. Um, because it's, uh, it's something that's so needed to be openly discussed. And and the point is not to convert anybody to a different view. It's just to expose people that like there's so many v- wide varieties of experiences in this lifetime inhabiting these bodies uh, that to be able to engage and discuss, you know, we talk about even intellectually, but certainly from a spiritual perspective, you know, what is the reality of life? And a lot of people are moving away from uh, their traditional beliefs that they may yeah. have been in, may have just been given, right. When they were born into a certain family uh, but are struggling to find out, you know, what is their place? Where is their meaning? What resonates with me? And, uh, you know, I, I find that it's not for me to determine how a person, let's say, aligns themselves. It's just a, what is right. that alignment? And, and sometimes by going out and, and engaging and meeting people and talking about these, reading about these things here, that we can be sparked into a, a different view of the world that is empowering, not disempowering, because I'm not into that taking that power away. That's a power that were yeah. given by God that created us all
3: exactly and, and and I really like what you said about you know you're not here to tell anyone um, what to believe and and I write that in, in, in all my books in, in, in all my lectures and talks I'm not telling anyone how to believe I'm telling you that you should believe but it's up for you to find the path that is best for you and you know to me uh, the First Amendment of the United States Constitution, states very clearly, Congress shall make no laws respecting the establishment of a religion nor prohibiting, prohibiting, prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And that's freedom of religion and freedom from religion. Because we have a lot of politicians trying to, we need to get more Christianity in the government. It's like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you really want to live under a theocracy? Yeah. I don't want to live under Old Testament laws. If you want to to live like that, move to Afghanistan and live under the Taliban Mm -hmm. because Sharia law is all about stoning and putting people to death and and very, very uh, restrictive means. Um, Also, I don't want anyone telling me how I'm supposed to believe. You see, the, the, the founders of this country, and they were flawed human beings because a lot of them owned slaves. I mean, the father of our country owned four hundred human beings, okay. But on the other hand, he had to start the country. He was a child of his times, and things have evolved. Well,
0: context but, and consciousness, Mark, is what I always bring up about that history. Did yeah. they did they not see a future that, in fact, Thomas Jefferson wrote against the institution of slavery? So it isn't that uh, they're all evil men because of that. No. In, if you and, put them and, into the Today, Go right? Ahead. And that,
3: that, that's that's my point. And Thomas Jefferson was on a very difficult balance because he spent time as, um, as ambassador to France. Mm-hmm. And the French were like, you know, you own people. And, um, you know, Thomas Jefferson, one of our greatest presidents, owned 200 human beings. But, but Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, James Madison, all of them, they knew James Monroe. They were looking at the last fifteen hundred years of European history, and what did they see? One religious war after another, and they saw that. And I and I think that um, they were brilliant because at the time, I believe the only Western country, with the possible exception of the Netherlands, because it was um, it was. Uh, essentially um, um, a monarchy, but kind of um, a limited constitutional monarchy. Mm -hmm. The United States was the only country in the Western world that didn't have a religious head of state. And recently we saw with the coronation of King Charles, he is, you know, the head of the Church of England. And I like what he said about being defender of all the faiths. Because traditionally, the British monarch was defender of the faith. You know, I was thinking of like Errol Flynn movies and defender of the faith and, and, and that. But, but they took that very, very seriously. And at least, you know, one good thing I can say about King Charles is he is astute enough to realize that there are several different belief systems. And nobody should be living in fear because they believe something different well historically
0: uh, the defenders of the faith would uh, do so in a way that would uh, eliminate those of other faiths uh and of yeah. course again consciousness shift here and to your point of the history of America we came here many of us going back to the lineage my my wife's uh, lineage goes to the Jamestown society the Disco- yeah. you know basically that coming on over much less the daughters of the American revolution now context and consciousness so i bring up these two c words again because uh if you were born at that time it wasn't like we had the consciousness of today where we're ab- it's abhorrent, you know, slavery. It wasn't completely abhorrent in that. But right. founders recognized there were some things here that were just not right. But there was a shift in time over time. It doesn't always happen instantaneously. And it, right. and it, and it takes a lot of effort. Now, the other thing I like to bring up that can offend some people uh, is the controversy of belief in the immortality of the soul, not the body, but that the soul would come back again and inhabit a different body. This is a, yeah. a, a belief in reincarnation. And, and, yeah. and historically, modern Christianity doesn't uh, acknowledge that, although historically, uh, if there was one point where it did and it was voted out, Council of Nicaea stuff. And again, as I talk about this, don't run away screaming. Just engage in the discussion. I'm not telling you all what to believe but to recognize that if it's possible that that was part, if that is part of our reality, that there is very likely that we have all been slaves at one time and we have all been slave owners at one time. And this. Exactly. That's
3: just, well, the history of humanity um, is, you know, my, my relatives, um, my dad's family uh, hailed from England, my mother's family from Italy and the part of Italy that they were from was so impoverished. And when they came to, to New York city, they were basically slaves because the, of the, the construction work. And and uh, one of my, my great-great-grandfather uh, was crushed to death because um, they they were working on this giant water tank in Brooklyn, and they sent the Italians underneath because they were expendables mm-hmm. to work on the supports and something gave way. They weren't going to send any of the people of Germanic or, or English heritage. And I'm not saying that to... To crush crashing on anybody, but the history of humanity involves the history of slavery. And um, the founding fathers did realize that it was wrong. Thomas Jefferson knew that it was morally wrong, and, and they also knew that it was going to have to be rectified. I have this conversation with, um, with a very, very intelligent, fascinating friend of mine, and she's African American. She's a television show host, very well respected. And she posed the question, we're, we're all having dinner. She said, if slavery had been abolished legislatively mm-hmm. instead of through war, she said, I don't think we would still be having the tension that we do now.
0: That is fascinating. Mark, it, I've that too, because everywhere around the world, slavery was abolished, not by war by another means well, and in america britain. yeah in- britain
3: france spain yeah. yeah they all they because the the europeans were the slave traders initially and then i think it was between the 1830s and like 1850 all the european parliament said okay slavery this is wrong we're not going to yeah. do it the united states hung on it was kind of like how south africa hung on to apartheid mm-hmm. you know in the the 50s, 60s, and 70s Western countries are like, you know, you really got to knock this off. And then eventually they, they were able to, to uh, uh, do away with that and, you know, the rise of Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, um, Earth is, is not paradise. Uh, the, the teachings of the great spiritual leaders, Jesus, Buddha, um, Lao Tzu, Zoroaster, um, the, the Hindu sages, they all teach us about respect for each other. They also teach us about the constant eternal flow of life as being a form of energy. And so, traditionally, Robert, this has been looked at simply as as, you know, a matter of faith or even a philosophical question. But now here we are in the 21st century and we've also had the benefit for over the last 120 years of quantum physics, and now what we're beginning to see and to understand, as Dr. Michio Kaku, uh, one of the co-founders of String Theory, said, eternal life does not violate the laws of physics. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's that's a big part of what I'll be talking about at Spiritual Awakenings mm-hmm. International, because the work that I do is, in my latest book, The Afterlife Frequency, the subtitle is the scientific proof of spiritual contact and how that awareness will change your life explains the different forms of spirit contact, the the um, concept of an afterlife, what I call the electromagnetic soul mm-hmm. is, is all based on quantum physics. And that doesn't necessarily violate belief systems. It's that we have been talking about the same thing through different vernacular and different filters, but eternal life is all about energy.
0: Yes. And Mark, I I think where many human beings get it wrong is they take it into a purely biomechanical uh, viewpoint and they think we can just take the consciousness and plug it into a computer stick or chip and you know we talk about the the uh, the weirdness of some of those folks that are promoting this uh, artificial intelligence which you know it's kind of a bit scary when you have non-life forms that have no soul and consciousness in reality mimic these patterns and and change and alter it and you see science fiction movies written about it but the transhumanists as well and their idea yeah. of living forever they have misinterpreted living forever. It's not as a physical entity. This is a thing we inhabit, but the spirit, the actual essence of who we really are, it's not the illusion that we perceive while we're kind of seemingly trapped in the body. And I think your message is mine, is that we don't have to be trapped in the body while we are still in it and, and inhabiting it, that we can have these spiritually transformative experiences without even dying to come back. You know, And I had a near-death experience that impacted yeah. my young life, and my worldview changed because of it.
3: Yeah, You know, there was an ancient Greek myth. It's funny because when I was a kid and we would read the Greek myths in school, it was kind of like a fairy tale. Well, when I was in college, I took a Ph.D. level course of examining uh, the ancient myths. And they delved very deeply into many of the questions that we're still pondering today. And there's one story of this woman who went to the gods and she asked her husband to be given eternal life. And they said, are you sure that's what you want? And she said, yes. So they gave him eternal life. And, and the thing is, he kept growing older and older and older. And he became this aged, infirm horror. And then she went back and says, well, I asked for eternal life. They said, yes, but you didn't ask for eternal youth. Mm-hmm. And and so you can take that, well, did they believe that literally or was that a philosophical question along the same lines of what you just said about transhumanism mm-hmm. is people are confusing this. You know, some people are so egocentric, they want their body to live forever. And that's a nice thought. But we have one life as my my dear friend, Rhonda Schwartz. She's a, a medium. She's the wife of Dr. Gary Schwartz, good friend and colleague of mine who's working on um, consciousness uh, and uh, the soul phone project at the University of Arizona. And Rhonda said, we have one life and it's eternal. So while we may temporarily be in these corporeal containers, these bodies, who and what we really are is a soul. In in my book, The Afterlife Frequency, I introduced the concept, the electromagnetic soul. Mm -hmm. And in, in a nutshell, every great spiritual teacher from ancient India through Zoroaster, Buddha, Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, um, Native American spirituality, all the way up till, till the modern era, has all said that the soul pre-exists the body, comes into the body, moves on after the body dies. We know from the field of neuroscience, which studies the human brain, that the brain has the most sophisticated electromagnetic field in the body. We know from the laws of thermodynamics and physics that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. So I developed the term, the electromagnetic soul, to explain what we really are, which is pure consciousness, a soul, a spirit, that is eternal electromagnetic energy, mm-hmm. and through that theory, I'll be presenting um, my talk, the NDE zone. Mm-hmm. The subtitle is "Connected by the Light from the Cosmic to the Subatomic." Now, I'm not going to get into the details about that because you know I want everybody to. Dude, tune it sounds
0: in. so cool. Yeah, uh, you know, sign me up, man. This will be fun.
3: <laughs> it's it's going to be real fun, and um, the the studies in consciousness. Robert, that have been coming out um, have just been fascinating. In fact, in <clears throat> excuse me, in the past year and a half, we've had two major breakthroughs. I remember this date because it's so perfect two twenty two twenty two. Okay, February twenty second of two thousand twenty two. An eighty, I think it was an eighty seven year old man in Tartu, Estonia. He had a stroke, and he was rushed to the hospital. The doctors put him on an EEG, an electroencephalogram to measure his brainwave activity because that, that's what you do um, in, in uh, analyzing and treating a stroke. We have five different brainwave frequencies, gamma, beta, alpha, theta, and delta. Gamma is like when you're on the Jeopardy tournament of champions. That is when your brain is in overdrive. Beta, that's the normal everyday awake state. You know, we balance our checkbooks, uh, you know, operate computers, cars, deal with our our lives. When we begin to relax or meditate or drift off to sleep, we go into alpha. And then from alpha, we go in, excuse me, yeah, we go into theta. Theta is dreamful sleep. And then delta is very deep sleep with very little brainwave activity. But that's where your body gets to heal. In other words, it's diverting energy to doing other things. And it's on the alpha theta border when psychic mediumistic activity occurs. Anyway, mm-hmm. so they're, they're um, having an EEG hooked up to this gentleman. All of a sudden he has a massive heart attack and he dies. But this was the first time in history, Robert, that anyone had been on an EEG at the precise moment of death. All five brainwave frequencies go off the charts. The doctors are mystified. They put out the, re, the results. In fact, um, one of the lead surgeons said this may be um, the first empirical evidence of a near-death experience or uh, of the soul leaving the body. Mm-hmm. Well, then in November of uh, 2022, a study was released by the Grossman Center from NYU, of, of roughly 500 people at 25 different hospitals in the US and UK. during CPR, all these people were hooked up to EEGs, all right CPR cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And when the people died, uh, and then they were resuscitated. So everybody here you know made it through, they were brought back. They noticed the same data. When they died, all five brainwave frequencies surged like they'd never seen. And so, the doctors and the scientists analyzing this say that this very well could be empirical evidence of a near-death experience, also of the um, soul of consciousness surviving physical death. They didn't come out and say that that that's definitive. They said at least for a period of time, simply because they couldn't measure it beyond you know you know they would die, then they came back and the brainwave frequencies uh, came came back. But I also believe that this is proof of my electromagnetic soul theory because the EEG is measuring electromagnetic activity in the brain. And heretofore, the thought was, well, we just see a diminishing level of electromagnetic activity and fizzle out. What they didn't expect was this massive surge.
0: Yeah, Mark, but and this is also
3: really fascinating.
0: Isn't it also used by the material reductionist to say that these near-death experiences and the description of what occurs for many traveling and being in a place, seeing family, loved one is the result of this random firing of a of a body that's in desperate straits on the verge of death as opposed to confirm what we're saying, what we believe, you know, what we've experienced, that soul is, it exists beyond the body. It just inhabits it while it's here. And, you know, but again, the, the electrical uh, things you're describing is like, well, see, that's all the hallucinations people have and they come back.
3: Right. And, and the, re, uh, yes, the Newtonian reductionist materialist. Mm-hmm. I'm covering all of that in my talk, the NDE zone. And I take the main arguments of the materialist reductionist and I refute them. Mm-hmm. And boy, do I refute them. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, look, I was a, I was a trial lawyer and I know all about when, see, when you go into, to something in, and um it's been quite an interesting journey for me cuz like you I had a near death experience mine was when I was 4 years old mm-hmm. and you know here I am an attorney and I'm a psychic medium all right I'm the lawyer who talks to dead people and I'm on stage at the International Association for Near Death Studies and the audience is packed with scientists and doctors and look, I know doctors don't like lawyers because of malpractice suits and everything else. And let's face it, most people, what, what you know, do you go to a lawyer when your life is good? No, it's because you've been arrested or sued. People don't like lawyers, right? Mm-hmm. But leaving that aside, um, here I am on stage presenting my theories and they accepted them. And it's because I've learned over the years that when you go into an argument, and I don't mean like, you know, yelling at your wife argument, I'm talking about presenting a theory, it's going, there's going to be an opposition to it. So you have to analyze what are going to be the attacks on it and have a response. Except this is different because my responses are all based on science, either neuroscience and or quantum physics. And so the reductive materialists, and the term reductive materialism for the benefit of audience members who don't understand what it means, Sir Isaac Newton believed that the atomic world was just a miniaturized version of our world. In other words, the material world could be reduced and that everything is explainable through science. And Newton, though, and I call this the Newton Paradox, He didn't believe in an afterlife or a soul, but he believed in God. And Sir Isaac Newton spent more time studying the Bible, looking for cryptic and hidden messages than he did studying science. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is the guy that invented physics, the law of optics, the laws of motion, the laws of gravity, and yet he spent more time studying the Bible. So there's a paradox there. But Newton did not have the benefit of quantum physics he lived in the the you know the 17 16 1700s and if he had the benefit of quantum physics i think there would not be newtonian reductive materialism
0: yeah, yeah as the predominant paradigm you know among the scientific intelligentsia as well and it, and it created a conflict between those who are spiritually oriented or maybe even religious oriented looking at the science of the soul if you will and i believe there shouldn't be a conflict between science because science is no. in its purest form a process of discovery of existence, of creation, and understanding, learning about it, and and maybe you know duplicating it for benefit, as opposed to what it's become—a very destructive means by which to control mankind, and 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 have them live enslaved and in fear. Uh, so we've really you know delved far, far away from the spiritual side of even healing, as I've talked about. Uh, The history of healing body mind and spirit and then in the dominant predominant paradigm artificially induced of modern medicine very newtonian reductionism uh they abandoned the spirit side maybe a a body for sure maybe some mind but mm, but no spirit and that's where it's become a very destructive uh means even if there are uh, there's evidence of medicine helping people in traumatic injury situations and repairing them Uh, beyond that it disavows the knowledge of the self uh, healing properties of the body that was created by something far greater than anybody's mind, even.
3: As usual, Robert, you hit the nail right on the head. I love it. You sum that up so perfectly. And, and that's important for people because a lot of people say, oh, psychic, medium, lawyer. and you. Know, but you have to realize um, God exists in spite of religion, not because of religion. And I have no problem with the different belief systems. Um, you know, yesterday, the queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner died, uh, which, I mean, can you think of a time in your life when there wasn't a Tina Turner song on the radio? Um, but she she was raised in a fundamentalist Christian background, but converted to Buddhism. And I was looking at quotes uh, from Tina because I, I, I put out a newsletter today and I quoted her. And one of her quotes was, there's something good about all the religions. And she said, basically, one isn't better than the other. And 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 I've always taken that approach. And, you know, people get into, well, our religion's right and you're wrong. And it's like, well, hold on. It, it isn't about that. It is about human beings want to have a connection to the divine. They want to have an understanding of eternity yeah. and they do it through their cultural filters. And if you look at the teachings of all the great spiritual teachers, uh, Jesus, Buddha, um, Confucius, Lao Tzu, Muhammad, um, they're essentially the same. It's all about peace and love and understanding. It isn't about let's go and hurt other people and attack people. It it isn't about that. Um, but anyway, I don't want to get into, to, uh,
0: no, I I don't mind. I love the discussion, And, And I look at these various religions as a reflection of the state of consciousness of the individual that gravitates towards it and this is what we're seeing too about the the the, the movement away from organized religion by many uh, my friend dr uh, rashid batar who was raised uh, a muslim uh you know, on his last interview with me last tuesday before he died on thursday or translated into a different form uh you know he talked about the more he learned the less he was interested in modern official 501c3 churches religion you know that kind of thing which could be offensive to some but at the same time many of this audience does get that statement that the spirituality essence of, uh, you know, a teaching is what inspires you to be a more loving, you know, uplifting spiritual person. And if that religious teaching that you follow or a member of helps you to do that, then great. And if you are not resonating with it anymore, what am I to say except to say, I want you connected to the source of all Your healing, all of the inspiration. However, you get there, it's not of my concern. And God loves you no matter what. So it it gets to the point of where you're promoting a brand versus, you know, hey, what what is it that reflects well for you? What resonates with you? And and everybody's got a different state of consciousness. It's not a one size fits all scenario.
3: You know, um, I, I saw this cartoon, and it's it's in heaven, and it's Buddha and Jesus, and they're sitting on a cloud talking to each other. And Buddha said, "I should have created one of those. You can't depict my image because they always make me fat." And Jesus said, "Tell me about it. I've been a blonde white dude for like two thousand years."
0: (laughs) Yeah, give everybody humor. God has a sense of humor, uh, and uh, we like to laugh.
3: Well, I absolutely. I mean, um, whenever you see really great spiritual teachers. They they are they, they do have humor because humor raises a vibration, it reduces tension, mm-hmm. and it helps eliminate fear. How many times in the Gospels does Jesus say, "Fear not"? And fear is a terrible thing, you know. Being afraid is is living in fear, living in fear of of you know violence, living in fear of bullies, living in fear of of, of all sorts of things, yeah, and that's absolutely. what the great teachers are are doing is to elevate our consciousness. And in so doing, replace fear with love. Mm-hmm. Now that that's all nice, well, and good. And we are living in the material world. And I'm not telling anyone to just you know let your guard down. You have to be aware. You know, my dad was a Navy SEAL, and he drew, drew you know drilled it into my head as a young age. Be aware, and that awareness is in the physical as well as in the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, anyone who will sign up for the Spiritual Awakenings International conference is going to really enjoy that. I invite people to go to my website, which is afterlifefrequency.com. Just like my web, you know, my book afterlife frequency, mm-hmm. and you can uh, go to my calendar of events and you'll see on June 10th, the spiritual awakenings international. You can sign up there. I believe you can go to spiritual awakenings, <laughs> dot, uh, dot org. Dot org. Okay. No. Yeah. Dot org and sign up for it because it, it's a free conference. But it's a very uplifting and enlightening. And this is gonna help a lot of people all over the world realize that there is more to life than the physical.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Hey, Mark Anthony, I so enjoy our conversations here. They've been a lot of fun. I hope everybody else has enjoyed it as much as I do. But even if you don't, hey man, this is my show. We're gonna we're gonna have some fun <laughs> our way, my way, whatever. But no, the idea here is of course to have these conversations, to open up people to experiences, to um, realities maybe they they weren't aware of because they're asking questions. They sense something's up, something's, I need to know more. And if it it works through your own existing uh, belief system, then great. If it doesn't, then open yourself up to talk to people and and share experiences and learn from each other. And check out the Spiritual Awakenings International Conference, 2023, June 10th and 11th, spiritualawakeningsinternational.org. It's free, but you can donate to support the organization as well. And uh, we have links, of course, to Mark Anthony's uh, page, uh, AfterlifeFrequency.com. And uh, Mark, yeah, welcome back anytime. I, d- I just enjoy our conversations. Uh, hope you hope you did as well. I have a sense you did.
3: I do. And uh, it would be an honor to come back. Uh, um, I-, I like I like talking with you about these because you're so well-versed in so many different aspects of spirituality and life. It keeps me on my toes and, it, and it's just fun. Yeah. And I think that, that for the benefit of the listeners um, I think it's enjoyable because you bring out so many different viewpoints from so many different people. I mean, this is the United States of America and we don't ban books here. Okay. Who bans books? Adolf Hitler banned books, Mussolini, Stalin, Kim mm-hmm. Jong un, Vladimir Putin, Xi Ping. Okay. This is the United States. We don't ban books. And yeah, maybe there's books people don't want their children reading, but that's what parental, uh, that's part of parenting, comes mm-hmm. in. And the reason I say this is I'm the author of three best selling spiritual books. But there could be somebody who says, well, we don't like what he writes. Sure. Let's get rid of that. The thing is, the United States of America is founded on the free marketplace of ideas, the free marketplace mm. of thoughts. Um, when, when Julius Caesar entered Alexandria, Egypt, and he was trying to install Cleopatra on the throne of Egypt and you know over her brother, and in the fighting, the great library of Alexandria was burned, and that is considered one of the greatest losses of knowledge in human history. And every time I read about it, I just get this pit in my stomach.
0: Yeah, well, the recorded history, you know, after that, in a sense, because the stuff that was recorded was wiped out. A lot of it. Exactly.
3: And supposedly, uh, Cleopatra had an argument with Caesar because she was furious about this. And she goes, you Romans, you destroy everything, but nothing gives you the right to destroy one human thought. So if a tyrannical ruler like Cleopatra <laughs> mm-hmm. understood that 2,000 plus years ago, we need to hear that lesson again. Yeah.
0: And we see the shifts over time because when I grew up, it was the political right that wanted to ban books. Now it's the left that is engaging in censorship. And so it's not owned and controlled well, it's by the one right to
3: it's, it's everybody. And the yeah. thing yeah. is, no banning Books. Freedom let me really let me with this. I remember yeah, we, the- got,
0: we got to take a break here. If you want to stick around okay. for a little bit in the bonus round, yeah. we, we'll go a little extra with you. Thank okay. you all for being here, and uh, thank you to Jonathan Emord for standing strong on those principles of freedom and not compromising there. And thank you to Mark Anthony for taking it, you know, in the the spiritual discussion realm as well. We'll be back in just a moment for the bonus round, including I have a question of the day coming up about uh, fever fevers in kids, and that's an important part of this show as well as I teach about healing and more so thanks and also get out in the garden after the show if you don't mind please do we got to grow food not when we're hungry it's far too late to do it then so thanks for being here god bless you all say thanks to all of those that support the message of health freedom and healing liberty right here on the robert scott bell show where i remind you that the power to heal is yours All right. Bonus round commences now. And I, I don't often hold uh, the guests over into the bonus round, partly because I honor their time. And but sometimes there's like a cliffhanger. It's like you're you're still there's still some more engagement that we need to do. And I don't know when we get you back on with schedules and everything. So, Mark, thanks for hanging out a little bit uh, extra. And and as I had to go to break there, we were a little over. Um, you had some things that you want to bring. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I know we were, we were talking about uh, banning books. um. I remember, remember that show, The Waltons, um, yeah. about that? There's a family in Virginia, and there was this one episode where this German family had moved to Walton's Mountain. And, you know, for an obscure mountain in the middle of nowhere, every week somebody from, you know, some strange place. A Gilligan's
0: Island, but not, you know. At, yeah, it was
3: Gilligan's Island, but in the mountains. Mm-hmm. But there was one episode that I remember. I saw this when I was a little kid, and it really stuck with me. And, um, and, the US wasn't in the war yet. They were listening to it on the radio, and there was all sorts of prejudice levied towards this German family. And so um, they they were gonna have a book burning. The, the radical elements in the town, they got all these books and they had a big bonfire. And of course, you know, Richard Thomas, aka John Boy, runs up and says, Stop. They said, We're gonna burn all these German books. All these, you know, all they found all these books in German, they're about to throw them in a bonfire. And he, of course, he picks this one book up and he goes, I wish I could read it. Uh, and, and 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 he goes, does anyone read German? And, and the German woman, the mother of the family, walks up and says, I, I, I can. He goes, what does it say? And she opens it up and she says it in, in the, the first line in German. And He goes, well, what does that say? She says, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. They were about to burn the Bible, and they didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. And so when we burn things, when we ban things that we don't understand or that we don't necessarily agree with, we're not helping anybody because freedom is a very, very delicate thing. Uh, Robert, you know, my... My brand is The Psychic Explorer because I've traveled all over the world. I've been in communist countries. I've been in absolute monarchies. I've been in military dictatorships. And the freedoms that we take for granted, the best way from my experience, I was, I was a teenager and I was in Russia. And we had this guide who was assigned to us. And we called him the product of the state because everything was Russia good, Russia this, Russia that. He was going on and on and on. And he stood up and he was talking about the Russian Constitution guarantees freedom of speech. So I raised my hand and everyone's like, Mark, don't, you know, because I was this, you know, snarky, mouthy teenager, and I knew I was going to law school, so I was all full of myself. And I go, wait, 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 you're saying freedom of speech? So you're saying now that the Russian Constitution has the same rights as the American Constitution, a freedom of speech, and I could tell this guy had had it with me, and he walks over to me, and he leans in, and I can feel him breathing on me, and he leans right up to my face. He says, American boy, the difference between Russian Constitution and American Constitution is not freedom of speech, but freedom of After you make speech. (laughs) Whoa. Mm. And it was very unusual that the following day when we were leaving and I was at the airport that I, out of all the students, got singled out, taken into a room, and strip searched and interrogated. Mm -hmm. So I... Let me tell you, I was, pretty, I was pretty scared there, like about as scared as I think I've ever been. Talk about fear. The freedoms that we take for granted, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to vote, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, are very, very fragile. And it's, it's important that we maintain these freedoms. And it's also important to realize that the people who disagree with us aren't the enemy. They're not our enemies, okay? No matter what side of the aisle you're on. So if somebody disagrees, that doesn't mean hurt them because it, it wouldn't it be better to have a discussion oh, right. and, and, and disagree on things? Or do you want an autocratic ruler like a Julius Caesar, like a Cleopatra, like a Vladimir Putin, Whose opinion is the only one that matters, and if you disagree with it, isn't it amazing how many of Putin's um, rivals seem to commit suicide by jumping out of windows? Yeah, I mean, Um, the thing in Russia where you just get flung out of windows right and left.
0: Yeah, it's that that
3: must never happen here. So, so that's why I'm saying that, that Robert. And and your show is a perfect example of the freedom of speech because you bring on. Look, I'm a lawyer. I see spirits i've been there and I saw in the chat um, in the chat room mm-hmm. one of one of your audience members said she saw her husband's soul leave his body. Mm-hmm. she absolutely did. I have seen that it 's that energy that energy field, and this is part of what i 'll be talking about at spiritual awakenings international that 's what's known as a shared death experience where people in close proximity to the person who's transitioning may see the spirit leaving the body. They may see other spirits coming to greet that person. Mm -hmm. These are traditionally very highly controversial topics. But the thing is, we now know that these are being identified all over the world. Um, The Near Death Experience Research Foundation, headed by my, my dear friend, Dr. Jeffrey Long, they have a database for doctors from China, Iran, Um, uh, the Koreas, uh, Japan, Europe, I mean, all over the place. Doctors in conservative Muslim countries are reporting shared death and near-death experiences. Um, Doctors from atheist countries, uh, traditionally Russia, are reporting these. The data is consistent worldwide. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to be suppressing this. We need to be studying it, Mm
0: -hmm. understanding
3: it, and thanks to your show talking about it. So I want to thank you again, Robert, for having me having me as your guest.
0: Mark, it's a pleasure. We, I just enjoy it. I, I think I sense the audience does too. I, I've been over the years somewhat reluctant or reticent to engage these overt discussions of the spirit because I'm sensitive to people, you know, and their faith and their belief. But I, I think after all of these years, they know that I'm not here to try and convince them but to share, you know, these experiences that we're better off when we engage in these discussions and we can walk away, agree, disagree, but still be pals. And I think we've lost that certainly in the body politic and there are good people within it trying to resolve it uh, and and much to, uh, you know, maybe the threat threat to their life this in this body. And this time we just lost a dear friend in Dr. Rashid who who is a, a, a warrior renegade who took on certain powers that be on this planet that didn't like what he was doing and or, uh, you know, it's argued that uh, he was poisoned and, and and left too soon. I don't know the journey. Ultimately, each soul, I think, has some kind of contract and agreement. And others say God only knows when these things occur and happen. But that's when a lot of people ask the questions about the immortality of the soul or spirit and, and, and want to engage in these discussions to, to get some level of comfort to know that it'll be okay, that it's all right. This is part of the journey, and this has happened for time immemorial, and it's just very— very uh, uh, present because we lose somebody that we ro- loved and appreciated so much.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss and in, in really for the world's loss because he was one of those people that, that was a light. Um, he was definitely a light in our world.
0: And a lightning rod too, uh, but it's hard to distinguish sometimes when you have that willingness to stand against convention. You know, the, the the consciousness being dampened for a purpose of, you know, limiting the growth, limiting the freedom that would come out because those that love and feed on power and want control and enslavement, they might not overtly say it because they say it's for your own good that we must limit speech over here. Right? We've heard that on both, as you said, on both sides, and. Your message is one I share and that it, it's wrong on all sides. Those that take out, you know, the tongue of a man uh, don't show how powerful they are. That shows that they're afraid what that man might have said, you know?
3: Yeah. You know, there's that old saying, too, is I may not believe in what you say, but I will defend with my life your right to say it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time that America starts thinking about that again. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know, that gave me the chill bumps. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it.
3: Thank you. All right, Mark
0: Anthony, check him out. Uh, He's coming up on the the Spiritual Awakenings International group. We also have his uh, website directly in at uh, afterlifefrequency.com. And again, it's a free event, uh, June 10th and 11th. You can donate and support him, but that's at spiritualawakeningsinternational.org. Thanks, Mark Anthony, again. That was a lot of fun. If you guys liked it as much as I did, we'll have him back on for more discussion. Uh, I think it's a a very healthy thing to have happen now with all that's going on. Um, but yeah, medical freedom as well, all these hyphenated freedoms, you know, we can have discussions about them without one, there can't be another, but you know, why do we have to hyphenate freedom? It's just, uh, something that, uh, in terms of the intellect and and how the mind operates, we compartmentalize things, try to bring it together in that essence of appreciating that final statement that, that, that Mark just made about defending your right. You know, I might not agree with you, but I'll defend your right uh, to say it, to speak it. And that's why even the books we don't like, I don't want them banned per se. Now, uh, we could get into discussions another time about protecting those under the age of majority, you know, when they aren't fully mature and engaged in this lifetime in a young body. And I think that's a different discussion, but an important one to have as well, because we've seen the uh, alteration of of freedom to do things to people that are kids, in fact, that are not capable of of understanding the consequences of a lot of decisions. That's why historically uh, it's accepted that you know, Hey, there's a, there's a thing called kids called childhood and called children, uh, that you shouldn't be messing with that again, something we'll talk about another time as well, but thank you all for being here. And we're on the bonus round here. I want to bring super Don back into the mix and see how he's doing. Did you enjoy it as much as I did? Or did you grow zone out? And uh, always, always a good conversation. It was, it really was. I was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so
1: I, it's funny because I, I know there were people, uh, there was one comment in the, uh, in the rumble chat I was like, Oh, a psychic, eh? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, no, this is not going to be uh uh I see in the future that you will uh, uh have yeah, great right. fortune. Uh, you know, it, it's
0: yeah. not that that's not what we're talking it's about. It's a
1: whole different, yeah.
0: It's yeah, it's it's different. for me, it's the science of the spirit, it's being able to discuss yeah. and engage. And you know, the word psychic at a time kind of concerned me. And I I've joked about my let's say awakening in terms of health and healing. Remember, I talked about the story of meeting the homeopathic doctor that would become my mentor uh, for many years and how when I met him, he began to tell me everything about my medical history from the time I was a baby. And he was right. I'm like, I met you a few minutes ago. How do you know this? You're right. What is it? Are you psychic? And he laughs and he says, no, I'm a homeopath. And I thought (laughs) that was weirder because I'd heard Wait a minute. I thought you guys were all witch doctors. Right. So uh, that's the concept of You know, I don't want to, uh, let's say, disengage and disconnect from people who because the term is somewhat concerning. Now, granted, if someone claims to be a psychic and is trying to use powers to manipulate you in some way, I mean, that's people do that without being claimed to be psychics, just if they have powerful minds or if they're politicians, you know, and they use these manipulative tools and techniques. Yes. Whether they're considered psychic or not, that's problematic for me. But this is not a guy that does that. This is a guy that's you know looking into. I think it's clear to most people anyway. Yep. Uh, so uh, it's one thing to be averse to psychic um, a manipulation in terms of what we might determine to be black magic, right? Casting spells on people, whether you believe in that or not, to me that's kind of form of of, of manipulation that happens in what a lot of advertising. <laughs> You know, these are manipulations of your mind through fear, through things. And we could argue, even though it's not called psychic uh, energies, it is working on the energy of the psyche to alter your reality artificially, subtly, and, and, and in a very nefarious way. And I think that's a problem, whether you call it psychic or not, but to explore the other worlds and acknowledge experiences that don't necessarily make sense from a Newtonian reductionist kind of uh, viewpoint. um, i guess i just try to find a way to break through some of the uh vibrations associated with certain words that cause people to immediately shut down because mm-hmm. that's not where we're t- intending to go with any of these discussions at least i'm not
1: you don't want to scare people away
0: uh, not my intent to do so yeah you know some people are when we hit these subjects but uh let's see what do we got i like the discussion thank you that was from uh formerly jama there good i'm glad you liked it why was he formerly jam? What is he now? n c c a o m. What was wrong with Jamma? I don't know. I do not know the answer to that question Formerly,
1: like is that like uh Prince formerly the artist formerly known as Prince? Mm.
0: <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> Now we have been through uh and are going through tumultuous times. And my experience the last week has been very roller coastery in terms of the emotions, um the loss of our friend, and also the elation of of uh, major milestones in life of my daughter and things. And pretty amazing. and and and, you know, my wife has been through a lot. and you know the last ten plus years, we've talked about it on an ongoing basis, the trigeminal neuralgic pain she has and how the journey we've you know worked through to find things to make it possible for her to continue through that pain. And you know, she, she, she went through two intense days of all the pre- planning, the prepping, all of the stress. My mom's visiting, you know, from from Atlanta, 89, and she's come through a lot. It's like there's a lot of things involved in here. We're hosting a party, and she's, you know, today she's standing up, standing strong. Not to say that she's unaffected by all of this, but I have to say I'm impressed, so impressed that uh, uh, even two two years, three years ago, she couldn't have done that. And that's an acknowledgement of a milestone when we look at yardsticks in our life to say, hey, how are we doing? Are we getting better? Are we getting worse? Are we maintaining? Do we need to modify course? We need to stay the course, that kind of thing. And I will acknowledge this as well with my mother. Uh, the big thing that in addition to all the good things that we've known to do and helped her to do, the Folium PX was a, a significant leap forward. The Folium products that we talk about with uh, Bobri. Um, when she, you know, got out of, uh, you know, the worst of the scenario she was dealing with, my mom, at 88 at the time, New Year's Day, she celebrates by going out dancing, and uh, on her birthday, January 29th of 2023 here, uh, celebrated, and we showed the video of her dancing to, uh, uh, was it a Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers thing? I think uh, it was, you know, yeah. And on her 89th birthday, and, and I said the significant difference was at that point, she added the Folium PX products into her mix. My wife has been on them for a month or so. And again, I don't know definitively, but I'll have to say that's the most significant change or shift recently. And it's, it's, there seems to be elements, evidence of strengthening there as well. So, um, more validity to folks. If you're at a stuck point, even with all the good things, you know, and that we know, you might consider trying the folium PX, go to foliumpx.com and try it. And they have the three uh, formulas, the original, which is the starting point and the folium, uh, PX immuno and the folium PX relax. And move through those and, and, and pay attention to what happens because I'm seeing such significant things. We've been featuring other doctors and people that have gone through it and use the code RSB10 to get 10% uh, discount when you go there as well. So, thanks to Shout Out to Bobri. And by the way, this Sunday, our Sunday conversations are going to be with G. Edward Griffin. That's right. And uh, Bobri and uh, another doctor we interviewed earlier is going to join in on that because uh, G. Edward Griffin has been helped by the Folium products as well. And we want him around as long as possible. He's a national and international treasure, G. Edward Griffin. Red Pill Expo coming up in August in where? Des Moines, Iowa. So I want to see y'all there as well. And then many of the upcoming events are there. Shout out to our friends at Nutritional Frontiers. Their CBD is beyond reproach. It's so clean and wonderful, US grown organic quality. I'm going to take some right now. Uh, uh, uh. I should admit, I like that. Uh, and remember RSB 15, even. On sale items, 15% off. So double dip. Thanks to Jamie Dorley and the crew at Nutritional Frontiers. And what else we got? Any other questions, comments?
1: And?
0: We have an explanation on the JAMA.
1: Oh. see it? Acupuncture.
0: Okay. And JAMA on this show, American Journal comes from to mind, but now I'm... Oh, okay. The acupuncture organization. See, it doesn't have the easy... You can't say... You can say JAMA, but it's hard to say Nikki Cam. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Right. I like Jamma
0: better. Jamma's, you know, we don't think it's a journal. But
1: whatever, yeah. it's his name. Yeah. Who are we to tell him what his name shall? Right. Be?
0: Who are we to say? That's
1: All right, it. real quick over here at the uh, the chat room over at Rumble. Oh, uh, we've got some. Uh, well, first off, here it was asking. Well, we got the dancing cat right here. See that?
0: Grooving <laughs>
1: yeah, right. out there uh, in reaction to me mm-hmm. saying that uh, Bolden is supposed to be on tomorrow.
0: Yes, Michael Bolden will be on tomorrow from the 10th Amendment Center.
1: Cetros Spotlight. Okay. Uh, I th- I, I'm i thinking here, Cetros was wanting me to ask, I think, yeah. Mark Anthony about his point of view about the right to bear arms, I think.
0: Oh, well, uh, we can I, th- it I think
1: he already, you know, this person already knows your point of view on okay. the right to bear arms. Didn't get a chance to do that, so maybe next time.
0: I have um, a sense, and, and, and we'll, certainly we'll have Mark back on, but you can tell Mark's a freedom guy, can't you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Everybody. Yeah. Now, this next part here, I think this is is directed to you, RSB, hypothetically speaking, if you had a particular favorite psychic.
0: What do you mean, hypothetically speaking, if I had one? I mean, if I had one, I'd tell you. Probably Mark
1: Anthony, one. right?
0: <laughs> you know, I, you <laughs> is know, he your
1: I, new favorite psychic? I, Did I, you have I, a favorite psychic?
0: I never considered having a favorite psychic, honestly. Yeah. Be, look, the term psychic, again, it's a loaded word. It's almost like anti-vaxxer for some people. It's loaded because, you know, there are people that have what we call psychic abilities. Now, I think we all do because part of our existence is spiritual and it exists in a realm beyond the physical eyes, physical ears. You know that. This has been part of my discussion points for years on this show as, as I reveal intuition, right? The gut feeling, the heart feeling that goes beyond the intellect, even the mind. That connects us to something even I would argue far higher than the psychic realms, which may be more emotional or mental, or even etheric. That that going beyond that is, is you know difficult. when
1: I think of psychic, I mean there's a stereotype, there's a a thing, right? Especially with us growing up, uh, mm-hmm. psychic. That's I mean really honestly, if you think about it, it was during our I think our our growing up time was when mm-hmm. psychics became a thing, right? And you used to have the the one nine hundred. Okay. Psychic lines that you could call, I and mean, remember Miss Cleo. Yes, the the the, the it turned out she wasn't Jamaican at all, and she was just kind of a scam. And then there was there was that one psychic that they used to be on TV on a regular basis, where I can't remember the guy's name. He was a very charismatic guy, mm-hmm. and people would like he would ask people questions, and and then he would like be able to come up with their dead, you know, yeah. relatives and and details about them and stuff. Sylvia Brown was another one. From us growing up, mm-hmm. you know. So, so when you think psychic, you know, you, you immediately you think right. of it, that fortune more, tellers and, realm and crystal things. balls, and you know.
0: I think there's so much more to it, isn't there? Based on what we're learning, seeing it,
1: it would appear that
0: way, wouldn't it? Now, again, if if somebody is using quote unquote psychic abilities for, uh, you know, nefarious purposes, I point out even the idea that uh, you know somebody with psychic abilities would then go, "You must follow me. You must worship me." I mean, that's not at all what I get from Mark Anthony. That's why no. I, I have him on. I'm like, I don't have a problem. Everything he's yeah, talking he you not know, Yeah, he, he you know, doesn't. I and, and I think that uh, enlivening the abilities, capacities to do these things by, you know, your own, you know, ability to do so or your belief system, uh, to me, it's about restoring and strengthening a connection to the divine. And then you have insight. As I talk about the idea of being a very skilled surgeon, for instance, but yet an atheist. You may be in uh, uh, you know, a, a surgical theater where you're conducting what you know to do more than anybody in the world. You're the best. And if you're an atheist and you hear suddenly a message somehow entering your brain, for lack of a better way to say it, says, don't do that cut that you know is the only thing that you're – well, that always works. It's going gonna, it's gonna to kill the patient. You're like – If you're an atheist, you're going to dismiss that and go, that's, I don't know what that is, but, and, and you do it and the patient dies. And I'm just saying that the beauty and majesty of creation is that we have the capacity to receive messages from the so called other side. But the other side is not necessarily only there in death, but that we are connected to it in life because it is part of our lineage, our birthright, our, you know, where we come from, where we originate. And so I've had to kind of learn about that to get beyond my, uh reticence, you know, as as I learned about oh, the psychics, ooh, that's bad, as opposed to, you know what, it's just an extension of another uh, what we got a sense, another sense, a sight, smell, taste, you know, another sense, extra sensory perception sense. It. ESP they used to call it. Yes. So I try to demystify these things. My my role and intent. And I and I know that these things can be considered mystical experiences too. I don't deny that. Mm-hmm. But I like to be able to talk about it, not just dismiss it outright. Oh my gosh, now he's anti-whatever. No, I'm pro-freedom and I'm pro-human experience on all these levels and I want to hear about them. I want to talk about them. I think we're better for it. And if somebody's afraid to have that discussion, maybe they're not ready to have it. And I'm not, I'm not having it just so, oh, I want to change your mind about it. No, this is about, hey, man, let's just talk about it and be better for it. That's my intent anyway.
1: Well, yeah. and let's not forget, as Diana uh, reminds us of the great Karnak, the magnificence. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Some of the
0: funniest Johnny, <laughs> from Carson. Johnny
1: Carson. You yeah. remember that?
0: Yeah. Some of the funniest bits he did. Yeah. Annie. Hi, Annie. She says, Hi, guys. I want to give you sincere condolences uh, uh, for Rashid. Thank you, Annie. I appreciate that. It's good to see you here. Congrats for your daughter's graduation. Thank you. And uh, it's good to see you here as well. Glad glad you're here, Annie. She also
1: says, I'm still sticking to you almost every day.
0: Okay. I'm rarely getting in front of the computer to chat live. Well, we like it when you do, Annie. Sometimes we feel all alone without you. And, you know, sometimes we, we see like one or two comments in the chat room. Look, Michael Bolden is here. I don't know if he's still here, but Michael, I hope you enjoyed the show today. And it's so great to have you on board anytime off the air and on the air. You know that. We love you. And I'm looking forward to having you on tomorrow. And sad day tomorrow because tomorrow I would have been and you know, flying out to St. Louis uh, for the Advanced Medicine Conference. And of course, the, Dr. Batars' passing has changed a lot of things, and and yet mm-hmm. there's more things to change because of it. And and we're speaking
1: gonna... of that, over on Rumble, Gashina, uh-huh. uh huh, spotlight. Hi, hi all, still grieving the loss of our hero. Following his advice, exercise free will. Blessings to you all. Stay strong. Ah, oh, beautiful. Thank and you. then here, here we got again. Here, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Cetro Spotlight, it looks like, donated $5 to us on Rumble. Understand.
0: How does that happen?
1: And is now a monthly supporter on Rumble. Well, thank you.
0: That's amazing. Well, thank
1: you very much.
0: But how, what does that mean? I don't know. I,
1: just, I still don't know how this works. I haven't been able to figure it out.
0: Somebody tell us how this <laughs> thing works on Rumble. So we can make it active. But thank you, Cetro Spotlight. Thank you, Cetro very Spotlight. Cool. Appreciate that. Really nice of you. Thank you so much.
1: Yet another way that you can help support the Robert Scott Bell show if we can figure out where that money goes.
0: But right. But yeah, also we have the patron support uh group as well. And
1: we know that I put up another uh episode by the way of uh
0: Advanced Medicine Monday Advanced Medicine Bitar. Monday
1: flashback.
0: Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. The history we, we went on to do and then Dr. Batar went on to do. And uh here we are. So thank you all uh i i never get to see the rumble chat it's just too much for me to keep up with and it doesn't it doesn't embed into the restream stuff like uh you know the other channel i can
1: bring it up though i'm going to just do that on a regular basis okay very cool anyway all right so you um you, you kind of teased that you're going to do a question of the day you want to do that oh, now
0: yeah we got to it's an important right. one uh right. I, I apologize I Uh, Here it is from Scott. Hey guys, I need your help. Fevers with young kids, four years old and seven months. It's a conversation that leads to an argument every time in my household. My only clear point is that Tylenol or Advil does not treat the problem. You're right. It suppresses it and makes it worse because it damages the liver, the kidneys, the digestive system. You name it, it's damaging and and not helpful, except in extreme cases. And I, I would say uh, even in those, I would warrant other methods of reduction of fever if it becomes dangerously high. And We'll get into that in a moment. Uh, he says, I've read that it can possibly inhibit the problem, from my understanding. Yes, it, it makes it worse. At what point would you, if ever, recommend the use of it Other and other remedies, pointers advice? We see eye to eye on vaccines, amongst other things, but fevers are an issue. My thoughts are short-term gain for a potential long-term loss. Simply put, I have a complete distrust for the pharmaceutical industry. Please and thanks in advance. P.S. You guys are phenomenal, Scott. Well, thank you, Scott. Phenomenal. It. Phenomenal, right? Um, wow. Super Don is a phenomena. Phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. Do, 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 do. All right, Let's show our age some more. <laughs> um, My goodness, fevers. Now, remember, fever is an immune response to address... Um, many will say a bacteriological burden or a fungal burden or a viral burden. I would argue it's more of a toxicological burden, but the burning up, if you will, the elevation of temperature disable and disrupt the things that are problematic in an environment that has shifted due to various stressors, emotional, mental, physical, economic, spiritual, whatever these stressors are. And, uh, in a, in a child of uh, what age, four years of age and seven months of age, I'll tell you the, the remedy that you first go to in homeopathy is belladonna for kids and infants, belladonna, B-E-L-L-A-D-O-N-N-A. And it's not toxic as a homeopathic. So we're not giving the, the de- deadly uh, herbal ingredient. It's a homeopathic form and it's completely safe. And it will tend to reduce a fever in a child without suppressing it because it'll help facilitate the the recovery, the healing, the metabolic uh, function efficiency to get beyond the need for a fever. But to suppress a fever is to cause something that is acutely trying to express and come out and drive it deeper into the body in in, in terms of chronicity, that is chronic disease. This is true of uh, the, the, the wrongheaded notion of an idea of the vaccines, right? If we can... Artificially stimulate an antibody in a child that can't even develop antibodies. By the way, uh, that somehow we are healthier because we won't have the disease. No, you won't express it in the same way. At best, as I've argued, vaccination suppresses the expression. That is, the symptoms that manifest when a dis disease is present. The disease in the body is a metabolic challenge, and they would all the germ theory proponents would like to say it's all about the microbes. It's all about this. It's all about the well, viruses. Whatever. And I'm arguing it's, it's a toxicological burden and a nutrient deficiency and or a developmental milestone of maturation that we see that we travel through these various symptoms that modern medicine and their moronic medical degrees, degrees have determined or decided that these are all negative events and they have to be stopped. We have to stop the expression of disease like a pox. They used to put mercury or mercuric chloride on smallpox. And it would kill the patients because it would drive whatever was trying to get out of the body through the skin back into the body on top of the mercury burden, and they're killing people. These are the kind of things that uh, Dr. Samuel Hahnemann in the late 18th century, early 19th century said, this is barbaric. We as physicians are killing patients with our remedies faster than they would die of the disease, or maybe they wouldn't have died of the disease. So the suppression methodology through aspirin ibuprofen tylenol all of these things is the same concept of poisoning the body back to health it's absurd it's moronic dare i say stupid if you can't learn and get beyond it and grow beyond it doctor 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 this is what you know batar's advanced medicine concept was all about and he wasn't the only one that had that he just was able to coin the phrase and really market it well and he had the the strength and the the vitality and the personality to carry it forward to so many which was needed. You had to have a strong, you know, ego in mind to be able to do what Dr. Batar did. And may that, may we all continue in that uh, vein. We in our own different unique ways to keep promoting this concept of advanced medicine, as opposed to mediocrity and poisoning the body back to health as a means by which we can recover outside of acute intervention. And then that becomes the question that Scott asks about when could you say it might be viable. So you might say, all right, a child has a 103 and a 103.5 fever, and I'm saying that's not dangerous. That's not a dangerously high fever. I've seen children playing outside with that level of fever, and maybe they're slowed a little bit by it because the energy your immune system needs and utilizes to ha- amount an immune response like a high fever is something that usually takes away from the movement activity. So you're not as active. You're not as engaged. You you know, you can't be peak performance physically when you're doing that. And and honoring a fever by resting might be ideal, but I've seen kids play through it. Now you get into the 104, 105, 106, you're getting into, you know, arguably a dangerously high fever that could create brain and nervous nervous system dysfunction, you know, overheating. At that point, you go, Hey, should we take a Tylenol or do a, a drug of some kind? Well, I mean, it's a traumatic experience to do an ice bath, but before an ice bath, if you can use cool compresses, keep the head at least cooler. You can manifest as well the strength to overcome it by utilizing homeopathic remedies like Belladonna, or phosphorus. You know, in the seven-year-old already, you could start transitioning to phosphorus, no harm, homeopathically. Ferrum phosphoricum. There are a number of fever remedies out there. Aconitum napellus, the deadly monkshood, which is a dangerous ingredient in nature that's toxic, but converted to homeopathic form, uh, giving a dose of aconitum napellus first thing homeopathically now can stop boom before it even becomes a fever, not by suppression, but because it helps mobilize the body's own defenses to overcome the challenge before it becomes a significant challenge and you never manifest the fever. You haven't suppressed it with a toxic poison to the liver and the kidneys that I would not want to recommend at any time if possible. However, you might have tried everything. To deal with certain discomforts in the body. And allopathic medicine is there to the rescue. And it says, hey, you got a headache, even though I would argue it's a a liver issue. And as Brian Artis mentioned the other day, a cardiovascular issue. And I would argue that, hey, maybe uh, we could get on some Cardio Miracle like Super Don did. And he broke the cycle of these recurrent, almost by clockwork, migraines. He wouldn't do a coffee enema, my Super Don, (laughs) but he did Cardio Miracle. And he had the similar benefit to, you know, go to the strength of the argument of Dr. Brian Artis to talk about, you know, these headaches being a, a vascular issue. And I agree. I don't disagree. The vasculature is at play. Now, if you help heal the liver, that's fundamental to the vasculature as well. And sometimes that's enough, but addressing the, the cardiovascular, uh, aspects of the health, in, 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 I'm just talking headaches now, not necessarily fever, but fever plays a role there too. But liver congestion is everything. A dose of bryonia to start, homeopathic bryonia to start. Folks, if you want to learn about the basics, Clinical Homeopathy 101 Plus is a a lecture on demand that I did for Trinity School of Natural Health. Just about an hour. Not long, but it's a great starting point, a great foundation to understand some of these basics, working with the different systems of the body. So uh, I would be reluctant to take any liver toxic drug at any age, particularly younger ages where you can't handle it. But I do recognize there are a point where you could argue we're in a life or death scenario, allopathic medicine could suppress the fever. I don't disagree that that could be a point at some point, but that would be the last, 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 last resort, as opposed to the first, second or third resort, Does that make sense. Super Don making any sense here. It does trying to be reasonable about this. You know, I know I'm dogmatic about my views too. Everybody can be, but not right. in a way that I don't want you to ever think that you said, never, ever, ever. I'm like,
1: yeah. yeah I, I mean, we'll look, it, it, it's all common sense really is what it comes down to. You know, once you understand that there are other options than that, because I think a lot of people, that's just, that's the only option they think that there is. Yeah. That's how they were brought up. Right. You know, Oh,
0: fever here. Yeah. Ibuprofen. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, and Annie, our homeopaths making good comments, too, in that uh, on the fever stuff. There's a lot of nuance. Oh, uh, let's see. You. Um, I can put that up here. But I gotcha. try to give you basic concepts because I'm not going to say you're going to be a homeopath overnight. It takes right. a lot of years of study. But even then, there's always more to learn. And that's why I appreciate engaging and talking with other homeopaths. Some don't want to talk to me because I have a different view on things. But those are the homeopaths that are too dogmatic for their own good. They need a homeopathic remedy for right. their dogmatism. But clinical experience clinical realities are, are something I appreciate talking to folks about. This is your experience, and I can learn from that, and I love to do that. so already then Steve asks if the fever is not too high, would it help to use a far infrared sauna? or even just cover up with blankets to help boost the fever to burn out the pathogen. Well, there you go, Steve. Now you're working with the, uh, you know, the uh, law of similars. That is the body's trying to produce heat. So you help to generate that heat and overcome it. And, and yeah, that's like cures like, and yeah, uh, heating the body externally is not necessarily homeopathic, but the concept is there and that can burn things through much quicker. So you're encouraging the fever as opposed to suppressing it, which is, the wrong-headed notion of allopathic medicine always to fight against the intelligence of the body rather than honoring it you know and where it could be argued in a life or death intervention it could be warranted allopathic medicine they apply it everywhere and become a disaster because they create such chronic diseases that now the body can't function at all and then you become dependent on these drugs and that's the again the profitability of the medical monopoly And now you know
1: the rest of the story.
0: Yeah, and as you can see the sauna behind me, you stick your head out of it like that little smiley face head. I'm not heating the head. I i mean, some people argue it's good to do that. I don't like it personally. I've had not good experiences of heat getting in those saunas and the head gets too hot. I like the body being heated and keeping the head a little bit cooler. That's the sensitivity of the brain. That's just me. Again, if you are into the full, full body experience of heating your, your head too, that's fine. I'm just saying my bias is, the sauna is where my head is sticking up and out. What's <laughs> so
1: funny? Uh, yeah. Okay. What do you mean? That's funny. I just had a, a visual there. Okay. <clears throat> anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, appreciate your questions. If you guys have any other questions or comments, you can leave those at the website. Yep. Uh, just like Scott did, and uh. Scott, uh we'll come. You can call and leave us a message at 866-939-2355, 866-939-BELL. Mm-hmm. You can email me at askrsb at gmail.com. How
0: else can they get a hold of us? Say, hey, hey, you. I don't know. How else, yeah, like, something like that. Come to the, one of these events, the the upcoming events, tab, at com, And, you know. We've got a, uh,
1: a new episode of Stay at Home Mom that was published this
0: morning. Oh, right. Yes. Leslie, who's hosting us at the RSB Family Union. You guys, if you're intending to go, please let Leslie know and get tickets for it. It's not expensive, but we want to plan for what, what Leslie needs to do to prepare for all of us to converge on her homestead in Southwest Missouri. So please uh, let her know. Reach out.
1: All right. Coming up on tomorrow's show. In hour one, we will have Dr. Matt Chalmers. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a health and wellness expert. He's an author, He's a speaker, specializes in the areas of long-term wellness, nutrition, women's health, weight loss, athlete wellness, and holistic healing. We'll have him on in hour one. And then in hour two, assuming he shows shows up, Mm -hmm. uh, we will have Michael Bolden. Yay.
0: Why why wouldn't he
1: show up? I don't know. He better show up got distracted by a chicken in a pot or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a pot, o' chicken.
1: I don't know why. That just stands out to me. This one time he had a chicken and it was in a pot. He took a picture of it and put it on Facebook. I was like,
0: oh, yeah. a chicken mm-hmm. in a pot. Cool. <laughs> a chicken in every pot. That's right. Yeah. Who was that? Herbert Hoover? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. All right. I want to uh, say those who have participated in our AMAs, our Zoom AMAs, because you're patron supporters of the Robert Scott Bell Show. I thank you for that. And, um, we've got some gifts for you. Those that won the trivia contest, we got some silver and copper and silver and silver gel coming to you. Uh, we gave away a beautiful pillowcase and, uh, some of our patron supporters gave away, uh, Lori gave away a t-shirt. We have, uh, you know, different sprout starter kits and books, and it's just a, it's just a wonderful community that we've been growing and you guys are a big part of it. And even if you're not doing that, just to share the show is so, It's amazing how many people don't know about this show, despite uh, we've been at it for a long time. Sometimes I feel like we totally suck because nobody knows about us. But we,
1: (laughs) hey, we try. We do the best we can. Yeah, it is. It is really. It is you guys that uh, that make that happen, Mm -hmm. and we appreciate that.
0: Man, we've gone a long. It was a long show today, relative. I know
1: we're like we're like uh, pushing the 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 third hour of the show uh, thing that people have asked
0: about over the years, big time. Well, we need to support to do that. Uh, and of course just, uh, need some, some food in me. I need to mow the lawn a little bit too. I don't know what's going oh, on. I
1: got to do the same thing.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, we got all kinds of fun things too happening. Um, but thank you for all the wonderful kind messages in the loss of our friend, Dr. Batar, as well as congratulatory messages for my daughter. And, uh, for any of you guys and gals that have kids that are graduating this year, congratulations to you as well. You did it pretty impressive. Uh, and, uh, glad that many of you have raised your children listening to the Robert Scott Bell show. So they're less vulnerable to the deceptive practices of those who would use the art of black magic in forms of government and media to convince them that they are drug deficient. They are not. They may be nutrient deficient, but they're not drug deficient. (sighs) Anything else before we wrap up?
1: Uh one more check of the chat room over here Cetra Spotlight was is suggesting we do an AMA Rumble exclusive. AMA Rumble exclusive? I again I, is- I don't know. We'll, we'll look into that. All right. And then it says put the links in your Rumble bio please. Which links are we talking about?
0: What links? Like links to the show or, or the the website? I guess. Or or is it social media links? Yeah. Yeah, please let us know what you think. Sausage links. Oh, I'm hungry. Made some of those yesterday. Did you? You made Uh, sausage yesterday? Spinach feta. You actually made sausage? No, we got some organic ones from the butcher. Oh, I was about to be impressed. Yeah, no, I...
1: I don't know anybody who's ever made sausage before.
0: Have you seen those machines? You put them in the... uh, anyway? No, we didn't do that. All right.
1: Well, thanks, guys, for hanging out with us. For another show back tomorrow. It's Friday. And uh, until then, have yourselves a good afternoon. Mm. Thank you. And we'll see you then.